right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello, and welcome to Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy. And this is a flashback week, which just means we're going to rerun something because Cool Zone Media has the week off because people fought and died for days off or even entire weeks off sometimes. It's called vacation. This week, I'm going to rerun the Civil War within the Civil War with Prop as the guest because it was the second episode we ever aired and it's one of my favorites. And so if you've never gone back and listened to the old episodes, here's your chance to listen to it. If you have already listened to it, I have absolutely not gone through and interspersed different Easter eggs for you to find. That has not happened. But I will say this week or very soon, I have yet another game that is going to kickstart called Defenders of the Wild. It is a board game, and then I helped with the role-playing game side of it that also comes with a complete role-playing game system. And you can find it on Kickstarter You by searching Defenders of the Wild by Outlandish Games. Here's an episode. Hello, and welcome to Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff, which is, of course, the only podcast that clearly says what it's about in the title, leaves no room at all for confusion about its contents. Nope. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy, and each week I'm going to bring you another story about rebellion, resistance, and all the cool people who did cool stuff. My my guest this week is Prop, who I believe you're a, a poet, an MC, an activist, and you're also the, the host of Hood Politics. Nailed it. Great. How are you doing today? Man, I'm all right. I'm. Uh, it's pretty hot out here. I'm. Uh, I'm good. You know, I'm. 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 I'm apprehensive because I'm so nervous about any. Uh, any pod that somebody says is like it's kind of like bastards, and I'm like, but reverse, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't. I'm just nervous. I'm going. I'm coming in blind. You know what I'm saying, Margaret? Yeah. But I'm. But I'm, I'm here for the ride. All right. All right. And we have Sophie on the call too. Sophie, how are you doing? 
I'm good. I'm excited to have Prop here for this one. I think I think he'll enjoy it. And I mean that like I'll actually think you'll enjoy this as oh, okay. opposed to when you're on Bastards where I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good one, which means it's not going to be a good one. Yeah, which means, oh, you're going to enjoy this. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, murder, 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 racism. Yeah, so, I'm going to enjoy it. So, instead, so, <laughs> Margaret, what are we talking about today? Well, there is there is murder and racism. There's some murder story. and racism. <laughs> but... But it's not from the point of view of the people who do the murder and the racism. <laughs> oh, okay, this time. okay, okay. So, because right. this week we're going to talk about this war you might have heard of called the Civil War, the U.S. Civil War. <laughs> and but specifically, I think I have. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but specifically, I'm going to talk about the the Civil War within the Civil War. Okay. Um, which, if you write it out and you put it in between, is the Civil Civil War War. And um, <laughs> I'm going to talk about. Well the, done, thank you. Hold up, y'all. Pause for that. That was great. Okay, I am now impressed. Like again, I, I was I was apprehensive. I didn't know what I was getting into, but the civil civil war war. That's brilliant. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. And so we're going to talk about the the basically how. There was a civil war within the civil war. There was a, a race and a class revolt against the white Confederates. Yeah. And, and so in the first half, we're going to talk about the ways that a lot of different black people in the South fought for their own freedom, whether uh -huh. under the U.S. flag or not under the U.S. flag. Okay. And we're going to talk about how the South wasn't a unified place in support of the Confederacy and how all types of people from the South basically were like, well, fuck this Confederacy thing and fought against it. Um, Love it. And in the second half, we're going to talk about the Lowry Gang, who are an indigenous-led guerrilla insurgency in North Let's Carolina. Go. Let's go. All right. Let's go. I also, I, dude, you know what? I'm glad I'm on this, uh, you know, for a number of reasons. But one, I think it's like, obviously, it's so timely with, like, you know, adding Ukraine to the list of, like, conflicts and wars across the world right now. But, like, the idea that, like, you can't just, you know, say it's not like everybody in Russia is down with this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's like it's good to remember that when you start like, you know, making your like sort of American versions of like good guys and bad guys to be like, yo, do you agree with everything your country do? <laughs> yeah. So why you think why you think anywhere else would be the same? You know what I'm saying? Like or wouldn't be the same. Like fools ain't everybody ain't down with what, you know, they government do or what they side do like so i think that this is i'm glad that this is coming up because that mug is like like yo like be realistic about what you watching you know what i'm saying and it's that like come on man no think totally. china really think china <laughs> loves china you know what i'm saying like yeah they they gonna do what we do where it's like i'm not gonna let you talk about us but <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah but nah this fool be on some bullshit you know yeah anyway no no and like and it's even true on the other side too right like because the north yeah. was not like I mean, you got the bad guys in this story. The Confederacy are the bad guys. Like, I'm not pretending anything else other than that. No, 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 no. no. But yeah, the yeah. North is like, well, some of them are good guys. And some yeah, of them yeah, are yeah. assholes too, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just because um, you lived up there, you know what I'm saying? That, yeah. that somehow your locale means that you think differently. <laughs> like, nah, fam. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So, the, so the Civil War, it runs from 1861 to 1865. It kills 620,000 people, which to put that Dang. number in perspective... That's half again as many Americans died in World War II or two-thirds as many as have died from COVID as of the time we're recording this. Sheesh. But uh, Civil War <sighs> starts because 
1860, Abraham Lincoln got elected on a new states out west shouldn't be slave states platform. And a bunch of rich white people in the slave states didn't like that. So they seceded. The North said, no, you're not allowed to do that. And then 1861, they have a war. And to be to be clear, and I I don't know. Did you get taught growing up that the Civil War was about slavery? Well, yes. I mean, I'm. Remember, I'm a Californian, son of a Black Panther from the inner city. So I absolutely was taught this was about slaves. That's that is better than the education I received, dude. I tell you, man, like when I heard people, I like it was like it's the other way around to where like, you know, obviously from your section, like for somebody to you to become a full grown adult and somebody would be like, no, this is about slavery. And how y- y'all probably like in y'all's area mm-hmm. was like, what? No, it's about states rights. Like I felt the other way around when somebody uh, actually said, well, it's about states. Like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, are you, who told you that? States like, rights to do what? It's the big question. That, that was like, that's what I was thinking. I was like, you hear yourself? States yeah. rights to own slaves. Don't you? Like, yeah. Are you serious? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I will argue that the entire South, white and black, knew it was about slavery. The, the North wasn't sure about what it was about. For a lot of the North, mm. a lot of the white North, and obviously all the black North, a lot of the white North knew it was about slavery, but some of the white North was, was fighting for like, you're not allowed to break away, fuck you. And some of them were even arguing, I, I've read some scholars arguing that some of them were fighting to free the poor whites in the South. But the Confederates knew what the fuck they were fighting for. They were fighting for slavery. There's, there was, there, there's no question they yeah. didn't know. Yeah. So, the start of this war, the Confederates, they're outnumbered, uh, just proof that just because you're the underdog doesn't make you a better person. They have little industrial production, so they can't make their own weapons, really. But they have this advantage that they're fighting on their home territory. And then since their population is more rural, more of the soldiers come in better horse riders and better shots. So they have some advantages. Mm -hmm. But they have one big disadvantage because their entire economy, uh, you you probably know this and probably the audience knows this, the entire economy of the South relied on slavery. And repressing people, it turns out, takes constant attention yes and all their best fighters suddenly went off to war yes so this is going to bring us to a woman named rose from south carolina what's up rose okay and so at the beginning of the war the the union didn't let black folks in as soldiers right um but Mm -hmm. it turns out you don't actually need anyone's permission to kill slavers or steal all their shit or grind their economy to a halt or help everyone run the fuck away you could just do it. It's cool and good. It is always morally correct. Yeah. And so people realized that. It was actually this, this woman, Rose, she's one of my favorite stories in all of this, but she's actually one of the hardest to get any information about. This historian, okay. uh, Favolia Glimpf, is the only historian I've found who's collected information about this woman because the only primary sources we have are all of the terrified white women writing in their diaries how fucking scared they are of this woman named Rose. That historian's name is like, it's so classic. It is such. Yeah, it's a perfect name. Favolia Glimpf, you said? Yeah. Perfect name. Yeah. yeah. I I was definitely going to want to put a pin in her name too. So, but I'm glad you did, Selfie, because that's that's quite a name. Also, terrified white women journals is like (laughs) the, the thing that just doesn't die. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> God. They they seriously, like all their journals are like 
I can't sleep at night. I'm up at 4 a.m. writing this note because I'm so terrified of the, the Negroes and the Yankees. And specifically, yes. I'm afraid of this, you know, Rose that is leading an insurrection in their town. Yes. Uh, so, so Pineville, South Carolina is this like small resort town. It's basically 60 summer homes for the, like the rich fuck slavers when they're like okay. taking breaks from their plantations. But with the Civil War, a lot of the families moved there full time. Okay. And basically saw as this place of refuge against to, to hide from the war. And they tried to bring like all the people they claim to own, but most of them were like, no, we're not going to come with you. Fuck you. You have no means with which to compel us to come with you. So fuck off. <laughs> the overseer gone at war. Yeah. You, you 92 years old yeah. and your wife keep catching the vapors every time it get too hot. No, we not going. I love it. Yeah. And some people did go and mm-hmm. then they kind of just didn't work. Uh, more and more, it. everyone who went there just refused to work. And then, this was happening all over the South. I want to use this. This is one of my examples because it ties into this mm-hmm. other thing. Uh, the, okay. the socialist author, W.E.B. Du Bois, is uh, the first person I've heard of really talk about this in his mm-hmm. 1935 book, Black Reconstruction. Basically, he claims that the thing that won the Civil War was the most powerful general strike the U.S. has ever seen, which was the Confederate economy was just completely gutted as black workers, as he refers to them as black workers, yeah, withhold their labor from the Confederates and then offer it for a wage to the Union. And half a million black workers ended up working for a wage at Union camps. And then I mean, under really shitty conditions, and we're going to get into this. But yeah, I think that I think that like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you kind of like like land in there because I think like the, uh, you know, when you think about the the arc of somebody like an Abraham Lincoln and the arc of like the country finally falling into secession and then mm-hmm. accepting the fact that like, okay, this is about slaves. Like, like finally letting themselves say it out loud. Like what we already <laughs> yeah. do. You know what I'm saying? When you, you, you take a slaver that was like, I mean, it's just, it's just way too much money on the table. Like I'm being yeah. as obviously I'm like, this is me being a slave descendant, just understanding like what's happening in this moment in time. When you like, look at man, that, that cotton crop, like it, I mean, you're talking about the, the, the the entire like makes more than every other commodity in the country combined yeah like when you add it all together just from that because you ain't paying the workers you know what i'm saying this is (laughs) this is pure profit you know what i'm saying you know notwithstanding the investment to get the get and feed as small as you can you know the 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 slaver the slave that you had and you could take somebody who might have been in the beginning like on some like Ah, yeah i know i just kind of like close my eyes and do it i mean yeah it kind of <laughs> sucks but i'm like i'm just one guy i mean yeah you know you're in the ocean you might as well swim i mean it sucks but like damn it's a lot of money you know what i'm saying and then that first check come and you like nah fam nah this mug <laughs> look you can't get look i'm look i'm sorry sorry not sorry you yeah. know what i'm saying like and how that evolution of just being like and then then the whole like well it's it's too big to fail like i mean it's mm. you know you if we shut this down, you shut down the whole country. Like there's no, it's the biggest, what do you want us to do, dude? It's the biggest moneymaker. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and that evolution of like, assuming that at some point, like you said, uh, uh, my ancestors would be like, uh, nah. Yeah. I mean, what worse can you do to us? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and Du Bois makes the argument, I have no counter argument. I, I believe this wholeheartedly. This is what fucking wins the war in the end, more than yeah. anything else. 
uh, yeah. black workers refusing to to work. Also black soldiers fighting, but black soldiers, yeah. In a in a and being still paid less, yeah, less food, still being treated like, you know, yep. not really human. But uh but carrying the work, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, like absolutely. Yep. Who's being like, well, hit you in your pocket then. Yeah. And in the end, as so people would flee, especially once as the union would come through the South, they'd be like, yep. And they cross the lines in the end, uh, apparently 12% of the South's labor pool, I guess you could call it. They just fuck off and they, yeah. they cross union lines. But then f- further historians have, have argued that it's not just the people who left who did this work, who, who did this general strike. So in Pineville, South Carolina, it's happening everywhere. It's happening everywhere, but we're focused on, on Pineville, South Carolina in the, in 1865, in the very last months of the war, this woman named Rose is an enslaved house servant. She has at least two grown-up kids. There's very little known about her, right? But mm-hmm. she frees herself, and then she doesn't fuck off across union lines. She sticks around to help fight and organize. And she was probably the leader of the insurrection along with her son, Pringle. And we know that... What? There were... Pringle? Yeah. Yeah, the man's yeah. name is Pringle. Yeah, I looked it up. It way predates Pringle's. I've, yeah, I was going to, again, another name that I was like, I'm going to let this pass because he led a slave revolt. So I'm not going to drag you. I'm not going to drag <laughs> yeah, you. I know, your right? Like, no, I, got I, mean, I think it's dope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, you know, 200 years later, the association with the chips, you know what I'm saying? But he could yeah. say, my name is Pringle because I get all the chips. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm yeah. Saying. I made him a rapper. You did. I, you did. And I appreciate sorry. it. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so this insurrection they lead, it, it leads hundreds of people to safety during mm-hmm. the time before the Union Army even approaches. And then by the time, at one point, the Union Army like sweeps through really quickly. They don't actually conquer the area, but they get a thousand people across the line when that happens. Okay. And then it's hard to tell how much it was a quiet insurrection versus a loud one. A lot of it was that people just yeah. refused work, slowed down. A lot of them gave themselves quotas like, oh, I'm going to do half a task per day. So they were like working just Love fast it. enough. And then, Love it. Yeah. And there's no one around to compel their labor, right? Because yeah. all, the, all the white dudes are off fighting the war. Yeah. And at, the, at its peak, this insurrection has the run of the town. The, the scared white folks hide in their houses and write in their journals while black folks are, are drilling in the streets in military formation. I love it. And they, they stole whatever they needed from the people who've been stealing from them their whole fucking lives. And it's just kept spreading miles and miles in every direction. People kept coming here. And eventually Confederate armies like, all right, we have to fucking do something about this. And so they send these, these scouts who are the, the guerrilla troops for the Confederate army. The, the Union okay. army has scouts too, but they're the, the uh-huh. official guerrillas. And they, they go around, do the dirty work. And so they, they round up and kill a bunch of the leaders of this insurrection. They don't get Pringle or Rose yet. Mm-hmm. And they force everyone back to work. And this kind of turns into this protracted, slow guerrilla war between the scouts and, and the insurrection. And eventually it keeps going on long enough that the Confederate army has to send an entire company of cavalry, which is like a hundred cavalrymen wow. who could have been off fighting the war and instead of to uh-huh. keep going and fight this civil war happening within the south they have a big battle it goes really badly for rose and pringle and the rest of them 20 to 30 of them die uh, and they yeah they only manage to injure some of the cavalrymen and pringle and rose get get found and executed but but even though they lose this specific battle this is after uh-huh. they freed you know the the record I see is like implying at least 1,300 people, right? Wow. And so- I know that many. Yeah, like- Yeah. That seems like an all right, 
you know, like the math yeah, is all a good right ratio. there. And I'm, and I'm positive that like, I know like, um, those executions were brutal. Yeah. Like they were like trying to, you know, they try to make a statement when they capture somebody that like led, you yeah. know, um, other people to freedom. So I already know, like, even without knowing her particular story, I already know the way they killed them, them, them two was yeah public and disgusting. Yeah. It, yeah. It was. And which, I mean, leads to the argument that dying in the streets fighting, you know, seems yeah. kind of nice. It's still pretty rad. Yeah. Like it just, yeah. And then, so the, and the Union Army, of course, doesn't have their backs at all. Uh, of course not. There's Lincoln's like rules of war that he wrote specifically called this type of thing. It's qualified the same as piracy or banditry. But they still do all this awesome shit. Yeah. So. Let's go, Rose. And speaking of Pringle and potato chips, I'm trying to get sponsored by really wholesome products on this show. And so our official sponsor, I believe, our only official sponsor, all the other ads you hear are unofficial and they're not uh, okay. allowed, uh, is potatoes. The concept of potatoes. I'll take that because, like, you know, I just I just listened to three hours on a potato famine. Oh, shit. So how good potatoes are, you know, and I am a French fry connoisseur. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm here for that. Well, you're on the right show then. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, here's some ads. And we're back after those ads that were not about, some. I hope most of them were about potatoes. I hope they were potatoes. Let me tell you something, man. All I'm right. going to invoke something right now that's probably not fair. The thing is like, okay, I am fully aware of the totality of the problematicness of somewhere like a Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, crossed my feed at some point was this person with two buckets of French of like the Chris cut fries. And I was like, that's an immediate retweet. I'm like, this is, and I, all I saw, I just saw fries and my eyes glazed over. I was just like, Oh my God, the buckets. Let's go. And then I was like, yeah, man, I know, I know it's, Chick- I know, I know. I know. It's, okay. Guys, like, Hear me out, though. I know it's Chick-fil-A. <laughs> but the, it's not the potato's fault, you know? But it ain't the potato fault. Yeah. You understand what I'm yeah. saying? I'm like, they pay well. The, the place pay well. Uh, uh, okay. Um, okay. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, the next, next chunk of this story is about a man named Abraham Galloway. Okay. And he and the the coastal the coastal black militia in North Carolina. And we've got mm-hmm. way more information about him in part cuz he survives the war, which is yeah. a nice anti-spoiler alert, you know? Like he's not going to yeah, die right. during the story, at least not yeah. we're like done with the story. That's the downside, right? With bastards, you have this part where you're like oh, all this bad stuff's happening, but then they die in the end and you're happy that they die. You're dope. Yeah. Yeah, and then with uh cool people did cool stuff, they die in the end. Um <laughs> It's not as good. Womp womp. That's history. So Abraham Galloway, he was born enslaved in a, a tiny fishing town near Wilmington, North Carolina. And he was he was owned by his own second cousin. Great. Yeah. He moved to Wilmington. He becomes a brick maker. And basically his fucking cousin tells him that he has to go work and give him the money. And but Wilmington is a, a hotbed of abolitionism, which is mm-hmm. which I'm not talking about like like when I got told about abolitionism when I was a in public school or whatever, 
Uh-huh. I got told it was like well-meaning white people who like wrote the government about how morality demanded the end of slavery yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Wilmington was a hotbed of abolition. And by that, I mean, it was full of black people, free and enslaved, who were teaching black people how to read and write, who were smuggling fugitives yeah. north, who were passing yeah. around tracks that called for the moral necessity of violence to end slavery, uh, including this, this tract by black abolitionist David Walker to the colored citizens of the world. Which, and this is a reoccurring theme in all the abolitionist propaganda I've ever seen, Mm -hmm. specifically includes the need for the rights of women also. And so, and this is the pamphlet that basically Nat Turner's 1831 rebellion gets blamed on. And so David Walker might have written it in Boston, but he was born in Wilmington, which is where our hero is, is currently. He's 20 years old. It's 1857. He decides to get the fuck out. He was, he was nervous that he was going to get sold further south. So his friend Richard Eden decides to come with. Richard was a, a barber who had just gotten busted for daring to marry a free mixed race woman. Who So he was facing the lash and he's like, yeah, fuck this. I'm getting out. And it was hard to get out. Uh, anyone who was caught helping them would have been killed or sold. One anti-slavery ring that had just been busted right before this or around that time, the the black pilot got sold further south, which was like one of the main threats that people would face. And the the white Quaker who was involved in the whole thing also as a pilot got murdered. Yeah. So, but they eventually, they do find a pilot who will sneak them onto the boat and off they go. They make it to Philly. They join up with the Vigilance Society there, which is a crew of abolitionists who fed and housed and generally helped fugitives. The, the fugitive slave law of 1850 means that even the free states weren't free for fugitives, right? Bounty hunters could just yeah. show up and... Yeah. Yeah. And... So they keep going, right? Because the North isn't even safe. They make it up to Canada with train tickets that the society buys them. Mm-hmm. And they once they're up there, the abolitionists give them room and board and find them work. Galloway gets a job laying brick. Eden gets to open a barber shop. I just like including Eden. He kind of disappears from the story here, but I'm glad he gets to go fucking be a free barber, you know? I yes. Just, I like yes. this guy. Yes. But Abraham Galloway, he didn't want to lay bricks. Not really. He wanted to destroy slavery. So... He goes back across to the throw board. bricks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm right. sure he got the chance. Yeah. He goes back across the border and he starts giving speeches and then getting in fights with all the people trying to kill him. Um, mm-hmm. And then in, I knew I knew this name before. I was like, I know Abraham Galloway. And now, now you're at the part that I know him. Of. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, go on. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in, in Boston, he hangs out with the Vigilance Society and then he hangs out with this, this league I'd never heard of before I did this research. Have you ever heard of the Anti-Manhunting League? Yes. These people it's fucking the rule. So dope. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell them about it, Margaret. Yeah. I'm going to lean back and let you tell the story. Yeah. Nah, these fools are hard. Okay. So it's a crew of people who are basically like, all right, well, kidnappers keep coming here and kidnapping people, right? So we should just track down the kidnappers and then kidnap them. Basically. <laughs> and they show up and basically their, their deal is they'll find, a, they'll find a fucking bounty hunter and they'll be like, hey, you would be so much happier and healthier if you just left Boston right now. So that's what they did. It was so dope. It was so dope. I know. Because the fools were the fools were just like, hey, listen, don't come to Boston. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, don't come to Boston. We body snatchers, all right? Yeah. Don't come. Oh, you gonna come? Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we told you what would happen. I told you not to come, fam. Yeah. yeah. And so so the reason that this league starts is another interesting story. 1854. You have a guy named Anthony Burns who also decided to fuck off from slavery and he gets mm-hmm. smuggled up to Boston. And because of the fugitive slave law, marshals come after him. 
and he, he gets arrested. And a crew mm-hmm. of black and white abolitionists storm the courthouse. They break down the door with a battering ram and then shoot a federal marshal dead. Let's go. <laughs> and then they get, they eventually get repelled. Apparently, I think they have to call yeah. in the army or some shit. Yeah. And so, so Burns gets returned to slavery, but for a, a moment. And as he's being like marched out of town, 50,000 people in Boston come out to like really aggressively protest his capture. Yes. And I, I, I don't have in front of me the population of Boston at the time, but the population of the United States was not particularly large back then. So 50,000 people. It ain't what it is now. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, I love this because it's like, you know, a lot of times when you flatten history, you just think like, you know, these two armies and you have citizens just kind of like sitting around yeah. waiting to see what happens, you know, especially like the sla- the American slave narrative that was like, well, I guess we were just out in the fields hoping everything worked out. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Like, nah, fam. Like, yeah. nah, who's fighting? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody gave us a green light. We was like, all right, it's on. We're going to do our best. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it, that's fucking exactly it. And like, yeah. Um, okay. So this changes Boston overnight. And then that's how they pass all these laws, making it harder to, to come and capture people. But just in case people try it anyway, you have the anti-manhunting league that starts after yes. this. And then Burns himself, the abolitionists, raise up enough money to, to buy him his freedom. He goes to college, he becomes a minister, and then because it was the fucking 19th century, he dies of tuberculosis like fucking everyone oh else. God. He's 28 <laughs> when he dies of tuberculosis. Life before penicillin. God. Dog, these dudes be living triple lives in yeah. one life. Yeah. And then... And then you die at 28 after all that. Yeah. I'm 39. Like, I haven't touched a quarter of what this person you did. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like, that. you did all that by 29? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, our, so Galloway, he's passing through Boston on his way to Haiti because the abolitionists, right? After, the, after John Brown gets executed, they're not mm. just like waiting around for the U S to get its act together to abolish slavery. They head to Haiti and they organize, they're organizing a raid from Haiti on the American South, hoping to directly incite a civil war to end slavery. Yeah. So, so Galloway takes passage alongside some other abolitionists, including this, this Scottish immigrant named James Redpath, who helped secure Haiti's diplomatic connections to the U S this guy, Francis Merriam, who was one of the only people to escape from John Brown's Harper's Ferry raid. Uh, who later fled to Canada with the help of Thoreau because everyone was actually mm. doing all kinds of weird shit at the time. The abolitionists, they show up in Haiti. They're received by, by Haiti's president because all of Haiti fucking declares three days of mourning when John Brown is killed. And it, it's not wow. just because they, I mean, they fucking hate slavery, right? This is the history of Haiti. But it's not just that because they're also looking out for their own country because in the 1850s, the U.S. drew up plans to conquer Haiti and turn it into a slave state. And then some adventurer asshole tried to conquer Cuba to turn it into a slave state around that time. Yeah. Another one fucking actually conquered Nicaragua for a moment until the people down there murdered him and didn't let him turn it into a slave state. Perfect. Yeah. And I was going to say, man, I, I don't know like what made them think. I don't know why you would want it with Haiti if you didn't read if you know anything <laughs> about their history it's like nah fam don't don't come try that down here yeah <laughs> you know, we, we don't we don't play down here don't yeah. don't don't bring it down here fam yeah yeah um and so so Galloway stays in Haiti for a while planning this raid but then the south secedes and so he hurries the fuck back to states to fight yeah. because that was their whole point was to try and get a civil yeah. war and 
you know, but it didn't take invading the South. All you had to do to start a civil war, apparently, was to get a moderate Republican named Lincoln in office. He's, he's a fucking moderate. Right? He was a moderate. Yeah. And like, yo, like, uh, the, um, Apple TV just did like for black history, did a dope little three part series on him. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's called the Lincoln dilemma, which was really more about Frederick Douglass uh-huh. and how Good. like really that Frederick Douglass kind of radicalized him. Yeah. That was like that, like the, and just sort of the evolution of, um, this, like you said, r- rather khaki, you know, <laughs> moderate Republican uh-huh. turning into this like, oh yeah, nah, we gotta, we can't, this can't last. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and yeah. it was really Frederick Douglass. You know, so I, I, that's, but yeah, yeah. And what took them to finally leave was them just slightly <laughs> a little less, tiny less racist. Yeah, than, yeah. Than other one. Yeah. Which has no, I mean, Living in the U.S. now, it's impossible to imagine the right wing getting upset by a moderate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> by like just the the just vitamin D milk version, <laughs> so, just the most plain, yeah, saltine cracker, yeah, no seasoned fried chicken, <laughs> undercooked, like just just potato salad with raisin. I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm going in right <laughs> no, now. No, I don't no. need to be saying all this. But yeah, yeah. The most basic yeah. of moderates. And they can't fucking fool. handle it. So they have a whole fucking And they can't war. handle it. Yeah. Yes. Which, good. It got them fucking crushed. I'm glad. But yeah. yeah. So, so Galloway, he shows back up in the US and he's like, all right. He gets himself recruited into the spy service for the US Army. And he's not really a union guy, but it's like the best thing going. Yeah. And he's reporting directly to General Benjamin Butler, who kind of starts the war an asshole. He's like not, he's even more, let's say, moderate than Lincoln. He wasn't even okay. particularly anti-slavery at the start of the war. But he's actually, he's the first Union general who starts hiring black refugees. And it's, the biographer I read, David Soselsky, suggests that it's possible he got this idea from Galloway. And if so, Galloway just changed the fucking face of history yeah. in that one moment. That's amazing. Because all that general strike shit I'm talking about starts with that. And so then Galloway goes on and does spy shit for two and a half years. And he's incredibly valuable as are all of the black spies in the U.S. service because they know the terrain. uh, And also because white people just ignore black people and pretend because people are fucking racist. (laughs) And so surely they can't figure out how to do things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. And so he actually goes and he scouts the landing for the Union Army in the shores of North Carolina, which, again, changes the fucking face of history because the landing in North Carolina is how is part of how the U.S. runs its blockade on southern shipping and helps crush their economy. That's all fucking Galloway. And then, I mean, it's also a ton of other people, right? I'm not trying to be like, it's just Galloway. Like, you know, he 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 found black pilots to help navigate the ships to shore and shit like that so the black pilots mm-hmm. who are not named in this also get all the fucking credit yeah and then he gets down, set down in mississippi and then he sees the union treat black refugees like shit and they start turning away black refugees they start working other ones to death building a canal so that they can siege a fortress that was a bad idea in the first fucking place of course and the union fails at seizing the fortress and then they just fuck off and they ditch 
all of the people, all the black people who are there helping them, including Galloway. They just fucking ditch him. And he gets captured by the Confederacy. His story goes dark for a minute, and we don't know. He, he actually, um, he, he was never literate, and so we don't have as much of his like own words written down. But we know that he, he escapes, and he makes his way overland over the course of months through the entire fucking Confederacy back to North Carolina, to the city of New Bern, where the Union is now in control thanks to his own scouting. It's a town besieged. The rebel lines are only miles away, but it has access to shipping, so it's not really fully besieged. More than 10,000 black people seeking their freedom now live there. And these are like the hardest and most militant refugees the war fucking sees because these are the, f- the first people who are like, I'm getting the fuck out. They didn't get out when yeah. it was... I'm, I'm not trying to... You know, like, but they, yeah. they, 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 they got out when the going was hard, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And all these people, not all these people, a lot of these people start working as scouts and spies, formally or informally, and they head back into Confederate territory on a regular basis. Some of them do it for the Union, some of them just do it for their own fucking families and their friends and fucking everyone, you know? Um, Yeah. But Galloway doesn't rejoin the Union. He's like, fuck the Union. What the fuck? I don't trust y'all either. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so instead, he just becomes an organizer. He's 26. He's sarcastic. He's charming. He open carries a pistol for the rest of his life. Let's go. And so in 1863, the union's like, but we need Galloway. We need Galloway <laughs> to get us an army. Because at this point, they finally decided the, the 54th Regiment, Massachusetts, is the, was the first all-black regiment of the war. And this mm-hmm. is the one that that movie Glory is about. And, yeah. And it, I'm really actually, the main, there's lots of things to be mad about that movie. One of the main things I'm mad about is two of Frederick Douglass's sons were in the fucking 54th. I didn't know that. They should have been the fucking main characters of that movie. But I you just blew my mind. I didn't know that. Yeah. Frederick Douglass That's wasn't amazing. afraid to fucking I mean, well, his kids weren't afraid to put some skin in the yeah, game. Yeah, his you kids know? weren't afraid to shoot. Yeah. 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 And um so 54th is all black except they're not except no commissioned officers are black. Yeah. Um and and it it works, right? The 54th is a like positive test or whatever. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, and also we're losing this war and we fucking need more people. Yes. And so they're, they send down this guy, this, this white recruiter named Edward Kinsley. They send him down in, 18, in 1863, down to New Bern to find Galloway, who's like hidden there and try and convince mm-hmm. him to come over. And Galloway won't meet with this guy until his, he and his friends watch him for a week to see how he treats black people. And he basically wins Galloway over just by like the bare fucking minimum of not being a dick. Like- Listen, listen, I hope that's a lesson to all white people everywhere. That's just like, listen, dog, like it ain't that hard. Just we going to watch you. Like I was going to say, like even him just being like, I ain't going to meet with you, but I'm going to have the homies watch you, Mm -hmm. you know? So, which is what we do. Yeah. Right. We all do it. It's like, well, let me, you know, let me me see what's up. Do our little Googles, you know, run your name up the flagpole, find out what's (laughs) going on. And then once we see what's up, it's like, it's just it's like I don't, the bar's so low yeah like just hey man like just just don't just don't be awful yeah the, the th- it's pretty it's not hard it's not hard to not be awful yeah all he did is he 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 tipped his hat to some black workers and got yelled at by the by the union soldiers and yeah and if you do that you tip your hat to 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 some black people and then the white dudes yell at you like hey what the fuck are you doing you just look at me like man fuck you dog yeah exactly the man just man shut the fuck up and you just keep going because where you like you then i'm gonna be like oh, i like that guy yeah all right yeah, yeah. like it's that easy yeah 
the the, the bar is on the floor, so he wants yes. him to step over the bar. So, it's um, like you have to dig a hole into the ground to go under this yeah, bar. Yeah, totally. Like, yes. Yeah. Which plenty of people at this point, plenty of white people are willing We're to dig that hole. We're very good at it. Yeah. Yes. But so, so the, they end up meeting with Galloway in this like perfect like cloak and daggers thing, you know, where he meets with the innkeeper and she takes him upstairs and then the room is just entirely full of people and Galloway's there. And they, they tell him point blank why we don't trust the union. They're not paying black soldiers the same wage as white soldiers. Black mm-hmm. people are not being granted citizenship by the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, black people had already been fighting alongside of and dying alongside of union troops with absolutely no recognition. And uh, sometimes these were in like scouting missions and sometimes they were like literally mm-hmm. like, you know, a place is being attacked and, you know, the black yeah. people are there also fucking fight and no recognition from the union army. And then also a bunch of specifically racist shit is happening in New Bern. So they're like, yeah, all this shit's happening. And they didn't say like, no, we're not going to fight for the union. They're saying, we're not going to do it unless you meet our demands. Yeah. And so they say, we want to be outfitted the same and paid the same. We want housing for our families. We want education for our kids. And we want the union to compel the Confederacy to treat captured black soldiers as prisoners of war instead of selling or executing them. And, and this part's a little like, so, so Kinsley says yes. Right. So the, of course he does. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. So then they hold guns to his head and make him say it again. Um, <laughs> Let me tell you how much I love my people. Yeah. Let me tell you how much, because that is the answer. Well, that man say yes. Like, I don't think I need to make sure. Yeah, say it again. Yeah. No, wait, wait. No, no, no. Say it again. Yeah. Now you now you promising on your mama. This yeah. on your mama, on your hood, on your children. You going to do this? Yeah. Y'all say, man, I love my people. Yeah. No, and, and, and so he says yes again. And, and the, the thing I read is like, Kinsley knows he can't actually do these things. Galloway knows he can't not. do these things. What they're saying is, you're going to fucking try. And he, yes, yes. And he does try. He, he doesn't, some mm-hmm. of the things get met eventually, some of them, whatever. But, but Kinsley and Galloway, they end up staying friends and stay in touch the rest of their lives. Uh, and over 5,000 black men volunteered for the Union Army in New Bern alone. They, they form what was generally known as the African Brigade. In the mm-hmm. end, 186,000 black men fought for the Union. The vast majority of them were formerly enslaved people. And they were, as you, as you pointed out, they're paid less than white soldiers until 1864. Uh, and mm-hmm. part of that gets applied retroactively. And there's a million fucking loopholes for the equal pay that they eventually of get. Course. They're still prevented from being commissioned officers in combat roles. You get some, some commissioned officers in like medical roles. And then the Confederacy just keeps executing captured black people and the any white officer fighting alongside of them and the union yeah could have done something about it and fucking didn't except actually and i didn't write this in the script so i'll get all the details wrong except actually the the, <laughs> the white guy who uh was the commissioned officer for this african brigade he was known as like mm-hmm. the hanging like i don't know the hangman or whatever the fuck because whenever uh black soldiers were captured and killed he would kill confederate prisoners I love it. Because he was like, no, you I don't love it, do but that. I love it. Yeah, no, right? Yeah, yeah it's like, you shouldn't yeah. kill prisoners of war, but like, what's... Yeah. But... You take one, we take five. Yeah. You know, it's, it's what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, but the Union Army is still proving to be racist as fuck. And one guy, William Walker, he goes on strike until he gets an equal wage. He was court-martialed and shot. Another guy, William Johnson, he was caught deserting. He was executed in this like highly publicized case that where they brought out a photographer to make a big spectacle what? of killing this black man. Two of the yeah. two of the soldiers who were supposed to shoot him were these German immigrants, and they refused to shoot, so they were uh, arrested. 
Wow. And, but even with all that going on, so Galloway is like two jobs now. One is that he is recruiting black men to fight and he's also fighting against all the racism within the military. He even gets his old general butler, the moderate, to, to press his higher-ups for equal, equal pay. But he's, he's no longer a union spy, but his networks ran deep and I should probably talk about potatoes right now. It feels like a good yeah. time to talk about potatoes and French fries, which I really love. I'm really excited man. about my air fryer, which makes really good French fries. Hey, they really do, man. You could even go with like frozen, like a bag of frozen it's ones for that air fryer. It's the perfect device to reheat French fries. I know. Yeah, because you can't reheat fries. It's yeah. really hard to do yeah. that. But if you could do, you could do it in an air fryer with a little, little bit of olive oil on that mug, mm-hmm. little, yeah. little Lowry's, you good. Yeah. Yep. And so that's, we're sponsored by the idea of French fries. And these other ads. And we're back. Yeah, we are. I uh, I sometimes like try to put myself in the shoes of like a just moderately reasonable white dude at this time mm-hmm. who like, like, like you saying is like trying to tell his higher ups like, yo, we should pay these dudes the same as everybody <laughs> yeah. else. And just being like, and just kind of looking at them like, but they... They holding the same. They the the bullet don't care. Like they dying just like we die. Yeah. Like I don't understand why you think that. What this don't make no sense to me. Like they life in just as much danger as ours. Not more danger because they running a higher. Matter of fact, we should be paying them more. Yeah. Because they running a higher risk. Yeah. Than we are. Like don't that don't make sense to you. They got more at stake. Yeah. So shouldn't they? You think the bullet care what color they are? Like what? You know, so just, I just wonder, I I just, sometimes I just think like, man, how maddening that must've been. Even if you just like slightly just logical, you're like, well, we're doing the same job though, aren't we? Yeah. Like, are we doing the same job? Yeah. I, I think a lot of, you know, white people got radicalized by all this. Like in all my reading, there's like Uh a lot of people start off being like, oh, I don't know. And then they're like, oh, this shit's evil. You know? Yeah. So, so Galloway, right. He's no longer a union spy. But his, his networks run really deep all over the South. He managed to smuggle his own mother out of Wilmington, which is 75 miles beyond Confederate lines in one of the most heavily Woo! fortified cities in the entire Confederacy. Woo! He gets Let's his mom go. out. He, he arranges for her to send up to be Boston, where she stays with one of his friends from the Anti-Manhunting League. Uh, yes. I want to think that I would be have the balls to do that to get my mama out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like 75 miles. Dang. Yeah. That's a long walk. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Is. Yeah. Um, and so, okay, so it's it's hard to overstate the importance of the black soldiers and black insurgents fighting like and the striking black workers on the war effort. So I'll I'll just say that they they fucking won the war. Militarily, they win it by fighting hard and well and by spying and scouting, but economically they wanted to. And I, I've already said that like three times, but I, I just want to make sure yeah. everyone leaves with that impression. And then North Carolinian uh, journalist David Forbes puts it like this. In April 1864, Lincoln met with a delegation of Galloway and several other prominent insurgent figures from the North Carolina ports. The president greeted them with an unusual, almost obsequious hospitality. The few observers to the meeting noted that the delegates weren't deferential, They were direct that they wanted the greatest of privileges, their political rights and autonomy, and pointedly emphasized the dire straits the war effort would be in without their support. The incident Mm. comes off not as a commander-in-chief giving orders, but as essentially autonomous militias fully aware of their leverage and a government eager to keep them actively on their side. That's stuff they don't tell you. Yeah, exactly. Like, everything I'd always read is like, oh, and then the, you know, 
the grateful black people were so excited that the yeah. white Irish northerners saved them or whatever. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. From the horrible racists of the South. And like, no, first of all, the white people are racist everywhere and some of them are unracist yeah. everywhere. And but Yeah. Fucking anyway. Yeah, I love that. So so Galloway, end of the war, he he moves to Wilmington. The Confederacy takes off their gray uniforms and put on white hoods, as we all know. We all know. In 1867, the KKK demanded that all black organizing cease in Wilmington. So Galloway and the black militia were like, well, you could, you could fucking make us if you want. Yeah, how about that? So yeah. There's like four days of street battles with the Klan, and then the Klan fucks off out of Wilmington for the next 30 years. Love it. He winds up a senator. He refuses to show deference to white people. He fought for the rights of women, including full suffrage. He walked around carrying mm. a pistol. He fought for labor rights. He started working to build coalitions with poor whites along class lines. And then because of the fucking 19th century, you know what he did? He died at 33. (laughs) 30. Oh my goodness. (laughs) This man life in his 30s. (laughs) This man was so successful. You know, listen, we are all like, listen, we're all losers, y'all. Like you can't 33. Dog, okay. Yeah. Then, yeah, yeah, he dies at 33 because it's nice. Yeah, and then he either dies of like a fever or he gets poisoned. It depends on what what history book you have, you read. But yeah, that's that's Galloway. And there's a few more parts of this whole civil war within the civil war, the civil, civil war, war. And civil, civil war. One part is that the the white South was far from united in the support of the Confederacy. A lot of people yeah. didn't want to fight and die for slavery. A few of them because they thought slavery was bad, more because they were just like too poor to get to own people themselves. Yeah. Um, but in 1860, I, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I think that that's an important part of the story too. That's like, you're like, the, why intersectionality and critical race theory, like, why you need to know this stuff is that type of intersection to where it's like, hey, dude, like, yeah, maybe I'm not a slave. But I can see that that's bullshit and I can't afford to have one anyway. Yeah. And I can't stand your owner either. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. That, you know what I'm saying? Like, nah, he's a dickhead. You right. Yeah. Nah, fuck that guy. I, but I'm just as poor as you are. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, not just as poor, yeah, yeah, but like yeah. in their perception, they're just like, I mean, I'm poor too. Like, nah, yeah. fuck this guy. I ain't finna fight for that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's more like, it's not so much that like, you know, like obviously like, socially conscious and aware for their time but just more the reality of like this is what this is what a lack of resources does it makes you be like man fighting your principled cause like what are you yeah. talking about nah man fuck that guy you know yeah you just summarized the next chunk of my script better oh, than i did let's, <laughs> let's so go very happy <laughs> but yeah okay. no, i mean like okay so in 1860 most white southerners they don't live in the plantation belt they live upland. They live in mountains and hills. And then yeah. most of them, they don't grow cash cash crops. Though even the ones who own land, they didn't. So they didn't grow cotton. They were just subsistence farmers. Well, some of them were herders, yeah. but most of them were subsistence farmers called the and they get called the um, the yeoman, which is a mm-hmm. word I never knew how to pronounce. I only know how to spell because it's also a word in like ye olde medieval stories. But yeah, so the. When the Confederacy formed and seceded, a lot of delegates from the mountains voted to remain within the Union or only voted for secession after they were threatened. That's another thing that doesn't get talked about. Even some of the people who voted for yeah. secession were like, well, you're going to kill me. So, I, all right. You know? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh-huh. And then 
the reason West Virginia, where I live, the reason it exists is because it didn't want to secede from the Union. So it seceded from Virginia. I love it. The The whole of East Tennessee voted to remain in the Union two to one. And they, yeah. they weren't playing around. Pro-Union military companies formed in every county. One guy went up to D.C. to be like, hey, if we, uh, if we blow up all the bridges from the rest of Tennessee, will you send down troops to protect us? <laughs> I love it. And the general was like, yeah, sure, guy, we can do that. Um, so they went and they torched four bridges, but they weren't able to capture the rest. So they were too heavily guarded by the Confederates. Uh, so mm-hmm. in, instead of a Union army marching in, a Confederate army marched in and occupied East Tennessee. They declare martial law. They start seizing property. A bunch of the ringleaders are executed. Hundreds are arrested. And then thousands of men of military age flee through the mountains, through the Confederacy to go join the Union army. When the, when the Union recaptures East Tennessee, it was, le- uh, it was led by a Union regiment of Tennessee infantry. They had enough fucking people fuck off that wow. they were able to form an entire fucking regiment. That was like, no, we know, we know these, we know these blue mountains, dog. We know these smoky yep. mountains, cause let me tell you where to go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Winston County, Alabama, in the northern part of the state, they voted to secede from the Confederacy. So they decided, look, if the Confederates are allowed to secede from the Union, we're allowed to secede from the Confederacy. They they formed militia bands that stopped Confederate conscription and they protected local families from being robbed by the army. The the Peace and Constitutional Society of Arkansas, again in the mountains, this time in the Ozarks, so yeah. Appalachia, they resist conscription. A hundred of them are arrested, 8,000 of them fled and served in the Union Army. In the total over the course of the war, 100,000 Confederate troops deserted, most of them facing execution if they got caught. Yeah. Almost all of them are folks who didn't own slaves and they knew that they're, they ran off because they were like, my family will fucking starve, I'm a subsistence farmer. Like, if I'm not there to put crops in the ground, my family will die. Yeah. Fuck this war. Yeah. In the the hills of Choctaw County, Mississippi, a loyal league of deserters spied for the Union, helped people desert, robbed the families of those who were loyal to the Confederacy. Northern Alabama started off loyal to the Confederacy, but by 1863 was full of people resisting. And Floyd County, West. go ahead. I was going to say, man, at some point, it's like, I don't care what your politics are, man. You're not going to feed your children in no meat grinder. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, at some point, you're like, this is, yeah, like you said, right, this is some bullshit, man. Like, even if you started off being like, yeah, you know, and then you're like, you know what, this, I'm, look, man, I'm going to go home and grow some potatoes. Yeah, basically. All through the South, people just fought against the Confederacy. They would ambush, they would rob, they would sabotage, they would assassinate, and then they were met with massacres and arson. There's a mm-hmm. whole fucking civil war within the civil war. Uh, in North Carolina, the coast had black and indigenous guerrillas. They had maroons hanging out in the swamps who would attack. The center had these like direct action abolitionists. The West in the mountains had diehard unionists. Madison County, which is where I lived for four or five years before now, mm-hmm. was called Bloody Madison. The Confederates there came from the cities, but they were outnumbered by the anti-Confederates who came from the hills. And the, the unionists, unionists there, basically, they're tired of being robbed constantly by the Confederates. So they robbed all their own shit back. And then the Confederates came and they rounded up 13 people and shot them in the mountains, including a 13-year-old boy. Some of the soldiers Dang. hesitated to shoot. And the commander said, anyone who doesn't shoot is going to get shot too. The most wow. famous of these yeoman results, uh, revolts sorry, in the Civil War was the Free State of Jones, Mississippi. This is another Hollywood movie. You ever seen Free State of Jones? Uh-huh. Uh, it's this another Hollywood movie that gets fucking white saviory about this shit. Yeah. Um, but basically there's this Confederate soldier named Newton Knight. He heard that his brother-in-law was abusing his kids. So he deserts. He walks 200 miles home. 
and he kills the aforementioned brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Then he takes to the swamps where he's hanging out with the maroon community, the, the runaway uh, enslaved folks or the people yeah. who are no longer enslaved, people fleeing enslavement. So he's hanging out there and then other Confederate deserters. They form a multiracial guerrilla gang. They raid Confederate storehouses. They distribute the food back to the farmers. They fought 14 skirmishes with the Confederate army. Uh, Newton Knight said their numbers never exceeded 125 fighters, but a general from the U- Union army claims it was 600. They declared their county free from Confederates. They raised the U.S. flag over the courthouse, and they declared a free state of equal rights. And so dope. after the war, Newton Knight writes to the U.S. government, and he asks for compensation for the families of the men who died in battle. And the U.S. is like, uh, no, we don't, we don't know you all. We don't know you shit. We don't know you nothing. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, because my argument is that the Union isn't really the good guys in the story. They're just the better than the Confederates guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other guys. Dude. There's a, this, this is a dope moment, like culturally, um, for a number of reasons, but I mm-hmm. think one of the doper, like modern tie-ins is especially around like the Appalachia stuff, because, mm-hmm. um, just like the origins of like folk music, like the yeah. banjo is West African, like that's a yeah. West African instrument. So when you have this like interaction of freed or like, um, you know, self-emancipating slaves (laughs) right Mm -hmm. uh former slaves hit these appalachian with these like gaelic and irish so you have these type of sing-songy stuff that's gaelic and irish that were hiding in the appalachians plus this like african banjos and it made what we know as folk music you know what i'm saying is is these people existing in these mountains who was poor trying to figure out what they did and they was playing music outside and i'm like that to me is like a sign of like you said what you talking about to where it's like these these people up in the mountains like man fuck your war like i ain't got nothing to do with that nah yep. y'all come stay with us you know yep. what i'm saying or the other way around like black people just found this mountain and was like oh damn these people live up here <laughs> you know <laughs> it was like what y'all doing you know yeah we free now i ain't scared of y'all yeah. you know <laughs> but uh yeah so i i just think we have the, these i wish more people would tell these stories um, if anything, just not for no, no, like, you know, make, make us feel better about like, well, not all white people, right, not, right. not for that thing, but to just understand that, you know, history is way more complicated than we was taught. Yeah, no, ex- exactly. Like, I, even as I was trying to write this, I'm trying to be like, I'm not trying to fucking center the white anti-racist in this. Right. But I, I want people to know that like, for whatever the reasons, the South was not a fucking unified place, you know? And then to 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 close off this whole thing about it even some of the fucking plantation owners fuck them i'm not defending them they get in on the of act course. of hating the confederacy but they do it purely out of self-interest because they're a bunch of fucking capitalists right and so yes of course when well they'll do whatever is the most profitable when new orleans gets occupied in 1862 and then throughout mississippi in 1863 some rich fucks are like you know what fuck it we'll we got cotton and sugar we'll sell it to the union army instead um <laughs> which is like it's basically what you get when you try to run a war based on the idea of creating like the collective self-interest of capitalists. They don't have collective yes. self-interest. Like No. There is no, yeah, it's the self-interest is the money. Yeah. So <laughs> I love it. They was like, y'all fighting for us to be able to keep slaves, but y'all don't buy enough. Yeah, so exactly. uh what's up with y'all? Y'all 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 want some, y'all want some sugar? You know what I'm and that, hey, y'all smoke, y'all smoke, <laughs> y'all smoke. Yo, we got this tobacco. <laughs> yeah. 
This is ridiculous. And that is uh, the story of the the Civil Civil War War. How you feeling about the it? Civil Civil War War? Man, I I am. I hope that this pod gets so much like air and oxygen in it because of the amount of stories that aren't told out of this. Not only just to like the culture as a whole, but black people. Period. I think a lot of times, like you know, we know that we know the. Uh, we know the highlight reels, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? The Harriet Tubman's, the Nat Turner's, the Sojourner Truths, you know what I'm saying? The, you know, the Frederick Douglass's, the, the ones that were literate and, mm-hmm. and you know, wrote um, biographies and autobiographies and such. But like these like, you know, regular dudes that were like, nah, fam, you think, you think your ancestors, you know what I'm saying? You really think your ancestors just took it? <laughs> like they didn't just take it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, nah, like fuck. Tooth and nail the whole time, you know. So I think that, like, even just hearing that, you, you, you're right. This I have the opposite feeling of <laughs> the bastard thing, where I feel like invigorated and inspired. Like, yeah, fool, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I succeeded. <laughs> you did, Margaret. I appreciate you calling me for this one. Uh, thanks for coming on. And uh, on Wednesday, we're going to talk about the Lowry Gang, which is tying into all of this, and you all will not be disappointed by this. Let's go. Prop, you got any pluggables for us at the end here? Yeah. Uh, prophiphop.com. Um, you know what I'm going to do? I haven't plugged this on any other pods yet, but if y'all are in the LA area, I do this thing called Club Real Ones. It's every first Sunday in Long Beach. It's And it's, it's just a day party for y'all grown folk that got to work the next day. We're done by eight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And there's, there's an, there, I mean, there's an after party if you want to. You can go get cocktails next door. We have that too if you don't got to work tomorrow. But if you do, yo, three to three to eight, just come chill with us. It's the greatest DJs in Cali. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, clubrealones.com. It's on my website, profithiphop.com. And then all the professional stuff like, oh, I wrote a book. You know, I got my podcast with politics. Yeah, Terraform. Yeah, which I just got an award yesterday for. Which oh, is shit. Congratulations. Dope. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, those are my plugs. Margaret, anything you want to plug at the end here? Uh, well, at the moment, I seem to like plugging my new podcast, Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff. Uh, you can also follow me on yeah. Twitter at Magpie Killjoy, and I have a bunch of books out. I guess the most recent one that's out is called A Country of Ghosts. It's an anarchist utopian novel. Okay, so we'll be back. We'll be back on Wednesday. We're back in the feeds. We're back in the feeds. The rapping is mean. Bye. Bye. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello, and welcome back to Cool People Did Cool Stuff, the podcast. My podcast, in which I declared myself the arbiter of what counts as cool for both people and stuff. And then I tell you what I decided. I've got... <laughs> thank so you, true. Thank you. <laughs> so true. I was like, wait, that's... I appreciate that. Sure did. <laughs> Thanks. I like when you uh, laugh at my, my um, scripted jokes. Okay, so I've got two such <laughs> cool great. people on with me today. I've got I've got Prop, who's an activist, a poet, an MC, and the host of the podcast Hood Politics, which I'm just assuming you all have listened to because obviously you should listen to it. How you doing? That's a fair assumption. I'm cool. I'm uh, it's hot as hell over here, so I got my my little glass of water. You know what I'm saying? So I don't catch the vapors. <laughs> That's don't my southern consumption. bell. Okay. Yeah. That's my uh, southern bell. Well, I do declare. Well, then you're going to get robbed in this episode. <laughs> yes. This, as a Southern bell. Okay. No, no, I'm and with then, it. Yeah. Like, yeah, nah, yeah. Let, let them, they sitting there with they lemonade, talking about they lemonade while Big Daddy just beats my ancestors. Like, nah, rob that lady. Yeah. And uh, I've got Sophie on here as well. She's Hi. our producer. She's the reason that podcasts exist. Uh, all podcasts. <laughs> she invented podcasts. Yeah, I invented Hi, podcasting. And um, yeah. no podcast exists without my approval. Yep, exactly. And sports. Invented the concept of sports. Invented the concept of sports. Um, and for the record, the Joe Rogan podcast is a YouTube show. This is the second part in our two-part series about the Joe Rogan experience. No, about the Civil War within the Civil War. <laughs> about the Civil Civil War War. <laughs> yeah, the Civil Civil War War. So you should probably go back to listen to part one. Or you could just listen to this part. Who am I to tell you what to do? It's your life. You're the person that gets to... You're the arbiter of what is cool. Oh, that's right. Stuff. So I should tell people. What so you to should do. tell them. Okay, go back and listen to part one, and we'll we'll wait here. Okay, you back? Okay. So the last time we talked about a whole bunch of different various ways that people across the South work to fuck up the Confederacy because the Confederacy needed getting fucked up. Facts. But but today we're gonna deep dive into one of my favorite groups of all time who fucked up the Confederacy. They fucked up the Confederacy, they fucked up the Klan, they fucked up the rich plantation owners, all Robin Hood style. They even fucked up the hypocrite Reconstructionist Republicans eventually. Let's go. And they were indigenous-led, multiracial insurrection, or bandit crew, depending on what you want to call it, from North Carolina. Dozens of racist sheriffs and far-right militia members get murdered in this story. There's at least five prison breaks. And that's right, I'm talking about the one and the only Lowry Gang. I wrote air horns, please. So if, if um, burr, 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 burr. I think it's very it. important to remember too that like the Confederate nation lasted four years. Like, yeah. 
y'all like Nirvana had a longer run. Like, yeah, there's y'all like y'all all this hoopla over something that was four years long. Like LeBron got a longer career than the Confederate nation. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I'm just like y'all anyway. No, no. Yeah. Like, which is actually why when you talk about principled people, you're talking about shit that they were doing before and after the civil war, because like, yeah, because fucking up Confederates is great, but there was people worth fucking up before the Confederacy and after Absolutely. the Confederacy. So. Absolutely. It's like, yeah. And then y'all, t- and then y'all like 50 years later, 50, 100 years later, decide to like raise some monuments. Yeah. For your four year long yeah. <laughs> career. <laughs> anyway. Where you just terrorized everyone who lived there. We just terrorized. Like, <laughs> yeah. In your own hood. Like you just yeah. heard your own hood didn't even mess with you. These people yeah. really ain't fooling with y'all like this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so before I can tell you about the Lowry gang, I want to, I want to go way the fuck back and tell you some shit from hundreds of years back. And I'm going to tell you about going to Croatan and okay. the, the lost colony of Roanoke. What? <laughs> yeah, you know where this is going. Discovery channel styles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I All love right. this. This story is incredible. Yeah. There's an island off the coast of North Carolina called Roanoke Island. In 1585, the English tried to put their first permanent settlement in the New World there. Like, this Mm -hmm. is before the fucking Mayflower. Jamestown, Virginia wasn't until 1607. But this settlement effort was led by some piece of shit asshole named Ralph Lane, who had spent the last two years as a colonial sheriff in Ireland. Before before that, he'd been the kind of asshole his job it is to catch smugglers. I really don't like this guy. No, he's the worst. He lands on the island and he tries to set up shop. One of the first fucking things he builds is a fucking jail. Yes. Um, and then he gets mad at one. Of, it turns out people lived there already. Uh, he gets mad at one of the indigenous leaders and he, he kills him. And for some odd reason, it's hard for me to totally understand. The, the local folks didn't like this and they didn't. Yeah. They didn't actually help the white people out after they killed their leader. And so the colony fails. And mm-hmm. Ralph Lane fucks off back to England and he leaves behind a couple guys so that they can like, so England can be like, it's ours or whatever. Yeah. Even though clearly there's plenty of couple guys there already, but whatever. Yeah. Um, fortunately, like 10 years later, just to close the Ralph Lane saga, he, um, he goes back to colonizing Ireland and then the Irish fucking uh, rise up and gravely wound him. And he lives in terrible pain for the few remaining years of his life. Anyway, back to Roanoke. 1587, you got another guy, John White. He's honestly not that much better. He goes on his way to set up a colony in Virginia on the Chesapeake, and he swings by to drop off supplies for these guys that that Ralph Lane ditched there. Except John White, he has a Spanish guy on board named uh, Simon Fernandez, Simon Fernandez probably, and he's a fucking pirate. He's just, he's been arrested for piracy. He was like yeah. going to be fucking killed as a pirate. And then the the British crown was like, actually... We kind of want him on our side. Use that guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so they land on this island and then Simone is like, uh, actually, we're not going any further. Y'all are going to stay here. This is where we're setting up the colony. And he like forces them to set up the colony on Roanoke. And no one knows why he did this. And so they unload 117 colonists and then this one indigenous guy named Mantio, who was just catching a ride back to North America from England. And no one knows why Simon did this. Uh, he said he did it because they were running out of time to get crops in the ground. Like he's just in a fucking hurry. He wants to get home or something. Um, other people are like, oh, some spy shit, some geopolitical, whatever. 
Uh, others say that he wanted to stay close to the West Indies so he could get back to piracy as soon as possible. Um, I kind of think uh, it, it is, uh, for no reason, I'm like, I think he just talked to Manteo and Manteo was like, no, this just set up near my friends. I, I honestly think it was like, yeah, like the path of least resistance. Just like, yeah, eh, I'll just do it over here. Yeah, totally. Um, and so this guy, Manteo, they, they kept calling him a chief, but he wasn't a fucking chief. His, his mom was in charge, but I, mm-hmm. I don't think he worked really hard to convince them that he wasn't a chief. I think he was like, all right, with going to England and being yeah. called a chief or whatever. Sure. So Simon and Ralph, they are not Ralph, the fucking John White. They, they don't stick around. They, they leave the 117 people, 118 people, and then they just fuck off back to England to get more supplies. And they're like, uh, good luck. See you soon. But they, they don't come back soon. They get sucked into the Anglo-Spanish War, which is like a back and forth piracy thing. They come back three years later. And then 1580, when they show up, the settlement is fucking gone. It's gone. Yes. It's, yeah. it's, well, does it's anything funny. on a boat happen quickly? Like, No, probably not back then. Yeah. No. But yeah, the, the, yeah, like, the anyway, no, keep telling the story. Yeah, yeah. So they show up and there's a palisade around the settlement, right? And it's completely abandoned. And the word Croatan is carved into the palisade. And then the word Crow is carved into a tree. And and people act like this is like the greatest mystery of all time. Croatan is the name of like the next island over where Mantis yeah, is from. <laughs> like. So and, easy. Yeah. And then instead of going to go see if that's where their colonists are, the next island over, they're like, well, I don't know, this is like a storm coming. So I guess I'm going to go back to England. <laughs> so he just fucking goes back to England instead of looking. That's so funny. Um, and like, like as if their message is super fucking cryptic and, and, and no one yeah. actually knows for sure what happened to the colony. But the, the most likely answer and people like didn't want to accept that people just fucked off and, and joined indigenous groups around there because people like couldn't fathom that like white people would do that but there's like more and more evidence that basically every single time white people join indigenous tribes they never want to go back to being european and they like the opposite is rarely true but so anyway people are like what a fucking cryptic note they wrote down the name of the fucking island they went to which brings us to the lumbee the Lumbee are a tribe in coastal north carolina the federal government has never recognized them officially though the state of north carolina has and the heroes of today's story are mostly Lumbee and all of its centers around the Lumbee community. So the Lumbee are descended from a, a mix of Siouan, Algonquin, and Iroquoian people. Uh, in addition, at least two Lumbee historians claim that when the, the Lumbee met Scotch, Irish, and English colonists for the first time, the Lumbee were already speaking English. In fact, they were speaking this very old-fashioned version of English, and many of them had gray or blue eyes and blonde hair. And so... Adolf Dial, who's a Lumbee historian, writes this plainly in his book, The Only Land I Know, that the Lumbee are descended. In addition, they're also descended from the lost colony of Roanoke. And Mm -hmm. actual birth records and the like don't fucking exist. Um, Dial argues that the evidence matches up with the the oral tradition of the Lumbee as well. And at least one of the people I'm going to talk about today in the Lowry Wars, which we'll be talking about in a second, also believes that this is true. But this is not actually full consensus about where the Lumbee come from, but it's a, it's an interesting story. And it's one that ties into what the, the Lowry's that I will be talking about, um, seem to believe about themselves as well. I, I just feel weird being like, and this is the origin of, I mean, these people are still fucking around, right? Like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, but, and, and there's not like consensus between in any given group either way. 
in the in the 1860s, the Lumbee are an unrecognized tribe living in their own traditional territory in the swamps of North Carolina, centered on what becomes Robeson County. And in 1864, with the Civil War raging all around them, that's where the story of the Lowry Gang begins. Okay. So yellow fever had just killed off a lot of the enslaved people who were being forced to build a place called Fort Fisher for the Confederacy. So the Confederacy started conscripting the Lumbee, and they conscripted several cousins of the Lowry family, which is a large and influential family in, in that area. Mm-hmm. Henry Barry Lowry, he's our main character, and a bunch of others, they, they hid out in the swamps to avoid all this conscription. And it, it wasn't actually strictly legal, even within the Confederacy, to force manual labor out of people who weren't black. So, but no white people gave a shit that this is fucking happening. And so they get away with it. And they would do this thing called tied mule conscription, where you basically, the example version is you set a tied mule out on someone's land and then, or you like let loose a bunch of hogs or something. And then you wait for them Uh to get quote stolen by the people whose land it is. Wow. And then you blackmail them. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Of course you do. And so they, they get blackmailed for money or land or forced labor so that they don't get taken to court. Rich landowners have been doing this shit to the Lumbee for a while, basically slowly stealing all their fucking land by doing this. And one historian I, I was reading pointed out that this is, it's comparable to how plea bargains work, right? You catch someone up on some fucking bullshit charges and then you blackmail them into pleading out for a lesser charge or a fine. Yes. Yes. That's exactly it. Oh, it's so lame. Yeah. And that's what they're doing to these people. And this guy named uh, James P. Barnes, he was doing this to, to some Lowry's and uh, he probably would have lived to regret it, but he didn't get a chance to live to regret it <laughs> because Good. Barnes was a wealthy slave owner and a minor Confederate official. And on December 21st, 1864, after he'd accused some Lowry's of stealing his hogs, he's on his way to the post office when he gets shot with a shotgun and then takes a bullet point blank to the head. <laughs> collar tip pointed at your dome <laughs> yeah Dang. and so so next they kill this guy named uh james brantley harris who's a confederate conscription officer a known rapist and a sheriff who liked to round up all the non-white people and force them into labor camps and in order to tell you about harris i've got to tell you about this idea called Scuffletown. harris was supposed to keep peace in this place called Scuffletown, and the thing is is that at least in none of the historians that I've read, actually know exactly what Scuffletown means. It, it might be that some people know, and I haven't been able to find it, but Scuffletown was, it was the place that the Lumbee met in Robeson County at the time. It was the center of the social world, and it mm-hmm. was maybe a fixed location, or maybe it was just the word that they used for wherever they all were, right? Like a, a roving free space, basically. And okay. So they're all at Scuffletown. This Confederate fuck Harris is harassing a woman. And two of the boys of the Lowry clan stand up to him and he, he, he beats them to death. This fucking sheriff. So everyone's fucking furious. They all show up at the boy's funeral and a warrant goes out for Harris, but he doesn't get to show up in court because he was out pleasure riding in his buggy when some people just fucking shot it up and killed him in his buggy after he did this bullshit. And maybe his body was thrown down a well. Maybe it was buried like facing north-south instead of east-west, like basically as a sign of disrespect. Yeah. And so now the Lowry's have this sort of problem. They've just killed a bunch of fucking people. And they're like, well, we're probably not coming back from this, right? (laughs) So they decide to go on the offensive. And decades earlier, North Carolina had passed gun control laws that basically said free people of color weren't allowed to own guns. And this applied to indigenous people as well. 
Of course. Yeah. Um, where fucking most of the gun control laws in this country come from. It's yes. shit like that. Yes. But so the Lowry's didn't have enough guns of their own because it was harder for them to get them. But they knew where some were kept. The courthouse where they kept all the guns for the local militia. So they fucking steal all the guns from the courthouse. And then they're like, all right, fuck it. We're all in. And they basically just become Robin Hoods. And they spend, they rob plantations. They distribute all the shit that they steal in Scuffletown. In all their raids, they avoid robbing black folks, indigenous folks, and then what get called buckskins, which are the Scotch-Irish, who are sort of a, a step below white at this time. They're still above indigenous people and black people. And one time they actually do rob this, this buckskin that they think is rich, but they found out he only had 15 bucks, so they just give him his money back and let him go. Um, <laughs> and I know, they're so they're sweet. Li- they're like, excuse me, you are broke, broke. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. This is not going to help. <laughs> You're not helping, bro. It's all good. Don't worry about it. So, okay. So half their members are literally just people with the last name Lowry. But but the Lowry gang was multiracial. They had a bunch of people who had escaped enslavement, at least one Confederate deserter, a handful of like random white folks, especially buckskins. And for a while, a bunch of Union soldiers who were escaping POW camps, um, including one of them who probably like is credit. He's credited for training them in guerrilla tactics because he was a a union scout and and the lowry gang fucking loved guns they just they they each one of them carried two to three revolvers a shotgun a rifle and a bowie knife apparently how i don't even fucking Where? know i don't know but yeah i'm impressed it's a little bit excessive yeah but i'm like i'm just like the how's the physicality of carrying that many weapons like <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, full respect. There's a lot of things that people do in that century yeah. that I'm not able to do. So let yeah. Me, let me go ahead and fall back on these fools. And I, I feel like, because if you did it now, right, you just need, uh-huh. you're, you're going a little overboard. It's completely unnecessary to have that many guns. But but think about reloading in the 19th century, you know, and you're yeah. like, you shoot your rifle and do you want to wait like 40 seconds to reload your rifle or do you want to drop it pick up your shotgun you know that's actually uh that's actually a touche touche <laughs> margaret because yeah like i ain't really got time to you can't just yeah you, these ain't automatic weapons like you gotta like dang touche i never even thought of, you are absolutely <laughs> correct i spent because, a while thinking about this shit <laughs> yeah, yeah no nah, it makes yeah. sense because you like oh yeah you can't just yeah, you you got. I just need another gun. I can't just be like click click cow, click click cow. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Good point, homie. So Henry Lowry, he's, he's their leader, either formally or informally. It's hard to know uh-huh. because history books always pick a leader, and sometimes people in history pick leaders, but not always, right? Um, he oh, this ties into the banjo thing. He's a he's a quiet, handsome man. All everyone talks about that, and he all he, he loves playing banjo and fiddle when he's not murdering people who need murdering. Okay, um, and they're all banjo and the fiddle. And they're all young as shit, which probably ties into why uh-huh. they have so many guns, too, to be real. True. Um, like, some of them are 14 years old. Henry is, is 20 when all this starts. Their, their numbers, they ebb and flow. Uh, and they often would, like, just live their normal lives and then go run off to the swamps when it's time to avoid repression. And then would go join up mm-hmm. the gang when it's time to go, you know, rob somebody who needs robbing. Full respect. And they, they basically just act as the armed wing of Scuffletown, it seems like. They... Mm-hmm. And we know that Henry Lowry was like sort of in charge or whatever, but they also operated through voting. At one point, they um, decide to hang someone based on majority vote. 
And whoa, okay, <laughs> yeah, I love we're like, it. We're gonna kill this guy. I think we're gonna kill this guy. I'll get to what that story a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What y'all think? <laughs> we just, I mean, so we should like we should hang him, right? <laughs> All right, y'all. Okay, look, show of hands. Do we hang this dude or not? I love it. Yeah, can you imagine being that guy and you're just like, no, vote the other way. Yeah, yeah. If you're like, oh no, man, like you raise your hand. Messy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it' a little messy, don't you think? Yeah, That's hilarious. Like, sorry, dude, you're outvoted. You're gonna get yeah, hanged. nah, bro. This is what we doing. Hey, sorry, homie. They we gonna hang you. Yeah. Um, and the whole larger community is helping them out. Um, uh huh. The the entire county. Like the Lumbee folks, the black folks, and a few of the white folks, not the rich fucking white folks around there. Um, yeah. But they're all like passing along information. They're scouting. They're treating the wounded. And at some point, they muster a militia to frustrate attempts to find them. And and, and the reason some of that stuff is important, um, to quote historians Neil Shirley and, and Sarah Lee Stafford, uh-huh. to privilege specific acts of banditry over this larger network of resistance would be to misunderstand the roots of a rebellion that had already begun well before the first assassinations of Confederate officers and would was, result in an overemphasis on the, quote, men's work of an insurgency that actually involved the entire community. And I just like that because it's like everyone is involved in this shit, right? Like some of the people, yes. mostly men, are off uh, doing the direct work, but all of the other work that mm-hmm. helps them is fucking just as important. And so, okay, so they've killed all these guys, right? 1865, six of them are rounded up and they go and they're put on trial. And they're put on trial by, actually, I think uh, I've heard you talk about them. They're put on trial by the Home Guard, which is the local policing body that led later to the police that tracks down Confederate deserters, escaped Union prisoners, and people escaping enslavement. Uh, okay. So this is the, the precursor to the police in the South is the Home Guard. Yes. Which, yes. Yeah. And the behind the police is actually the first time I heard of them. So that's why I was like excited to put this mm-hmm. in. So six folks are arrested, accused of stealing food and weapons from nearby plantations and helping Confederate deserters and escaped Union POWs. All of they they probably did all this shit, right? They denied it. They were like, no, we didn't do any of that. We're like innocent and stuff, you know? Of um, course. And no, we did it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Nah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Two of the Lowrys, Alan and William, uh-huh. who are father and son, they get tried by this jury that's made up of the fucking home guard and they're executed. A few days later, the home guard shows back up and arrests Grandma Lowry, Ma- uh, Mary, and they tie her to a fucking stake and blindfold her and then mock executor, firing their guns into the air above her, demanding wow. that she tell them where her sons are. And wow. she refuses. Good for her. Yeah, you're you're a writer. Yeah, like yeah. you you have to know if your sons act like this. Your grand if this is your grandchildren that are like writers like this, then you definitely come from a stock to where your grandmama is like, yeah, I'm a snitch on my own grandchildren. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You shoot your guns. <laughs> shoot them. Yeah, keep shooting them. And yeah, and after this, it actually calms down for a while. And like several points in the story, it probably would have all ended, except then the home guard decides to fuck with Henry's wedding. Henry, <laughs> he, he marries his cousin, a woman named Rhoda Strong. Damn and it. Okay. The, the wedding is fucking, I know, those times are... Well, um, yeah. Uh, it's one of the... Okay, so this is like one of the most important Lumbee families. They're universally loved. Uh, the feast table is 75 feet long, right, for their fucking wedding. Hundreds of people are there. And with hundreds of people there, the home guard shows up to arrest Henry for the murder of one of these Confederate fucks that they killed earlier. 
So he grabs like one of the only two white people there and hides behind them, which I think is fucking brilliant. Um, so the cops don't shoot him. And, and then the entire wedding party attacks the home guard unarmed. They're beaten back and eventually they do successfully arrest Henry, but they didn't fucking kill him, which I think is completely possible. They would have just fucking killed him there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He goes to jail. He gets put on trial and he completely refuses to cooperate. Uh, he won't speak on his own behalf. He won't cross-examine witnesses. He's just like, no, fuck this. Fuck you. Yeah. All day, every day. Yeah. yeah. Because he knows his family has his back, right? Um, mm-hmm. So he's in jail for not very long. He uses a file to file through the bars of the jail and then break out. And the, the oral yeah, the oral tradition here is that that his wife, Rhoda Strong, baked the file into a cake. Um, so it's like, <laughs> so it's like old school. This is a movie cartoon. Yeah, let's go. Oh, it's gonna get so much more cartoony. Um, I love it. And and so. I, I, when, I, when I was reading this, I was like, is this where this comes from? This idea of bake the file into the cake? No, it's older than this. Um, one time, like 20 years earlier, Alexander Dumas had used it as a plot point in one of his books. And then uh-huh. like 50 years later or so, Irish anti-colonial uh, forces bust someone out of jail in Ireland by doing so this. Dope. Um, so dope. And so... Um, I respect it so much. I know. I respect it so damn much. So he files his fucking way out of the jail and he's out. And then the civil war comes to an end. And when, uh, when general Sherman passes through the area, most of the union members who are part of the gang go and leave and rejoin the military. Mm-hmm. But, but even with the Confederacy defeated, the U S didn't stop former Confederate officials from continuing on in the new administration in the area. And the KKK okay. rises to power as an extra legal arm of the repressive state, basically. Of course. And so during this time, the, the poor folks in Robeson County, they turn to the Lowry's for protection. And the, the Republicans are like fucked, right? Because they're in a, mm-hmm. their base entirely loves the Lowry's, right? But yeah. their whole thing is that they're trying to be like law and order. And so they're incredibly divided on it. But in the end, they, they reinstate the bounty against Henry Lowry, which again, it all could have just fucking stopped. If they had stopped coming after this guy, it all would have been fucking over. Um, but the new Republican sheriff and someone from the, the Freedmen's Bureau, which is the federal agency tasked with helping newly freed people, they, they show up at Henry's house very politely and they have like a pleasant mm-hmm. meal and a chat and Henry plays fiddle for them. They, and they convince him, they're like, look, your best shot is to go and stand trial and be found innocent and put all of this behind you. So he, mm-hmm. he agrees mm-hmm. and he goes off to jail because he's like, all right, new administration. Let's see what's going on. It is what it is. Yeah. And yeah. But when he's in jail, he starts hearing rumors that there's a posse out to lynch him and they're going to drown him in the river. So he's like, you know what? Fuck this. There isn't enough fucking security at the jail to stop a posse, which I think Henry must have figured means there wasn't enough security to keep him locked in. So mm-hmm. one day the guard comes to the meal and Lowry pulls out a gun and a knife on him. Because I guess when he turned himself in, he just brought a gun and a knife in case he needed them in jail. Just in case. How you be able to, how how is this man able to hold on to a gun and a knife? Okay. I don't fucking know. Um, Oh man, you lucky dog. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. His quote to the jailer that he pulls the gun on is, I'm tired of this. And then he just lets himself out of jail. What? (laughs) (laughs) What? And then apparently on his way out of town, he stops at a house and breaks in and steals crackers to eat and then leaves and goes into the swamps. 
<laughs> I know. You and, know what? I'm done playing with y'all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So six weeks later, the Lowry gang is, is back in business. And there's this wealthy landowner named Reuben King. He spent decades catching enslaved people on the run, brutalizing indigenous people, and evicting poor tenants. So the Lowry gang shows up at his house, kills him in his parlor, mm-hmm. and steals all his shit. And so now, instead of just being, instead of at war with the Confederacy, the entire large community they're part of is now at war with the new Republican government in the area. Okay. So the Republicans, they hire an ex-Confederate, again, Captain Owen Normant, to hunt down the Lowrys. And, okay. you know, his job during the fucking Confederacy was that he hunted down indigenous folks for the Confederacy. And now he's going to do it for the Republicans. The Home Guard is disbanded, but now you have the new Police Guard, which is, I think, the same people doing the same thing. Literally the same. Yeah. We're going to let that pass. We're going to let that pass by, though. <laughs> yeah. So, so the police guard, and this led by this guy, Norman, grab eight of the gang. Uh, two of them do give info under torture, but then, like, later repudiate their statements and say, no, this is made under duress. And, but eight of their number being in jail didn't slow anything down. Uh, one, one newspaper at the time, which fucking hated them and was, like, trying to talk shit on them, claimed that there was 300 fighters in the Lowry gang which is probably an exaggeration, but there was, there was no shortage of people willing to go fucking do this shit in the area. So a few days before the trial, this asshole, Captain Owen Normant, the, he, he hears a noise at his door at his fucking plantation, because of course he lives on a fucking plantation. Of course he does. Yes. And so he goes outside because he hears a noise and he somehow finds himself with an extra bullet in him. And his, his family runs off to get a doctor who rushes over in a buggy with a mule pulling it. And then the poor mule is about a mile away from the plantation when the mule also develops a case of too many bullets uh, and dies, which is, as far as I can tell, this is the only innocent victim that the Lowry's get anywhere. Yeah. Um, Or collateral damage, depending on how callous you're feeling, you know, like whether or not you'd shoot Uh the mule. Poor Um, mule. I know. The doctor goes on on foot and it's too late to save Norman. Norman dies. And then this is going to shock you. It turns out that killing uh norman didn't help the case of the people who were on trial (laughs) um you'd think right but no yeah um it didn't help so two of them (laughs) two of them get tried for one of the sheriff killings and they're sentenced to hang but meanwhile rhoda strong our jailbreak extraordinaire wife uh, smuggles an auger into oh, one of the yes. three to, to three of the guys and which is basically a it's a drill bit with a, a handle on it that's what i was gonna ask so yeah just you know i know what it is but mm-hmm. remind me mm-hmm. specifically no, yeah. and in detail yeah what's an auger you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, like, i don't know what it is but yeah was, yeah no, no that no, was no. the I mean, joke like, i was trying to make yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, I I put it in the script. I was like, I describe it too, right? Because I hear an auger yes. in an article and I'm like, well, what does that mean in the fucking 19th century, right? Like, yeah. like now it's a big gas powered machine that I use to put in fence posts. Um, oh, the like, kachukuch. No, no, it's a jackhammer. That's a, that's for concrete, oh, I think. Sorry. No, 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 no. I spend way too much of my time thinking about power tools. I live in a fucking- I'm such a city boy. <laughs> house in the woods. Um, yeah. So, but an auger in this case, it's like, it's a dr- before you have a fucking power drill- you use a yeah. hand drill, right? Mm-hmm. So they they steal in a, they smuggle in a hand drill and then they okay. somehow, and this part I don't fucking get, they drill a hole in the wall of their cell and escape. Like, I don't know what they used to make jails out of. Um, 
I'm and I'm like, wait, I got no guards. Hey, you know, ain't nobody hear that. <laughs> yeah, y'all like where where y'all at? like what? Okay, what? Tell me about y'all's prison system. And <laughs> yeah. the thing is, like, it's not like I like I'm here for it all. Yeah, but I'm like, I mean, <laughs> y'all ain't here. Y'all ain't here to auger. Yeah, y'all ain't see the y'all ain't see the file. Y'all ain't hear the man filing the. <laughs> yeah, you ain't walk by the jail cell and go, "Hey, man, why you? Sh- what are you rubbing rigorously on the bars?" <laughs> they, they, no. And then the man that was like, "You know what, man?" And then when, when homie was like, "You know what, man? Fuck this, I'm leaving." <laughs> I was gonna get better. That like y'all like who are you hiring? Y'all, this must be like, look, 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 look. They hiring teenagers, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that true, like yeah. just want like a minimum wage job. And it's like, I don't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This fool work at the mall. Yeah. They hire people that work at Gap that are like, yeah, steal the sweats. I don't care. Ain't my, ain't my sweats. Yeah. Basically, that's what's happening here. I don't, I don't pay me enough. Freaking mall cops. Like, <laughs> steal whatever person you want. I don't care. So... <laughs> So after these, after some of them break out, <laughs> they take the rest of them and they put them in a brick jail. <laughs> They're like, you know what, guys? I got some notes from last time. Yeah, uh, we should go with brick because <laughs> homie just drilled a hole through the wall last time. Yeah, so we should probably just do you. All right, guys, all in favor of bricks? <laughs> and maybe we shouldn't hire your fucking nephew. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> to watch him. Cause that fool must have been drunk as hell or just don't care. <laughs> and and you know what? It was harder for them to break out of the brick prison, but they did it really quickly anyway. Let's go! <laughs> yeah, so, the mouth! <laughs> so this time, because this is a cartoon, Rhoda yes. goes in and seduces the guards. I fucking kid you not. Every I single spit my movie. water out. Yes. <laughs> it's a this is who framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this is. Yeah. He's like, hey, you big, strong man. So she goes in and does this. while And while she's doing that, someone else goes to the window and smuggles them a, a hatchet, a file, and a chisel. What the fuck? <laughs> Which they then use to turn a spoon into a lockpick. How much time you got? How much time you got? How fine is this girl? How much time you got to do that? Okay. Yeah. So then they, now they can come and go from their cell whenever they want because they got a lockpick. So they take their time, I assume at night, but I don't know. They take their time. They find an outside wall and they slowly chisel through the outside wall. Oh my God. Um, This is hilarious. Whereupon they climb out on a rope made out of blankets. It's oh okay. You're <laughs> Margaret, you making this up. That's, you trolling me, Margaret. I checked more than one history book about as much of this shit as I could. Cause I'm this like, is uh, we, we, like okay. <laughs> the, you Some okay. of this might have gone into folklore. I'm reading this in history books, but these people yes. are fucking they are absolutely mythologized like Robin Hood. Of um, course. So But still. Yeah. Uh except one guy doesn't break out. He's in a different cell and he's like, you know what? I have a solid alibi, which is true. So his employer vouched for his whereabouts and he was found innocent. And then he like never joins the gang again and just fucks off. And it's like lives a quiet life. <laughs> but, 
But so the gang keeps up their raids during all this shit, even when people are in jail. Oh, Amazing. this is so great. I love this. I got an alibi. Y'all, y'all do whatever y'all got to do. I'm, I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I feel like that would be me in all this, you know? I'm just like, well, that was fun, but I almost got hanged. And I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I yeah. got stories to tell my grandchildren. I'm good. I did all right. I'll just, you know, I'll just do it. Y'all, y'all, y'all go ahead. Just bring me back some uh, burritos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so then they, they hire a, an undercover cop. They okay. hire this guy named John Saunders, a, a detective out of Boston, who showed up and pretended to be a Republican from the North, a, a white dude. And he starts hanging out in, in Scuffletown and he eventually makes acquaintances with the Lowrys. And basically he's like, hey, you all, I can smuggle you out to safety. Because during all of this, the Lowrys are looking for their out, right? Yeah, and of course. They're constantly like, how the fuck do we get out of this alive, right? Yeah. Um, and hey, so fellow youths. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, hey, just follow me west to safety. But they don't quite trust him, so they keep an eye on him. Mm-hmm. And then they catch him, you know, reporting back to his fucking off- other officers or whatever the fuck. Being a snitch. Yeah. They catch him being a snitch. Hey, yeah. guys, you guys want some drugs? Follow me around this corner. <laughs> yeah. You guys into drugs, huh? You guys like smoking the, smoking on the weed, huh? Come over here. I got him. I'm a fellow kid. Yeah, exactly. I'm a bandit. Hey, look at me. I'm a bandit from the north. Woo! I be breaking out of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like vandalism. <laughs> Spray painting some shit behind the 7-Eleven. Yeah, stupid spray painting. Hey, guys, I got some spray paint. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) totally. (laughs) So they fucking catch him. 7-Eleven. Right. Of course. Yes. And and so they catch him, and they're like not really into the cold-blooded murder thing, but this guy knows too much. Mm -hmm. And so here's where they put it to a vote. And they vote to kill him. Okay. They let him write a letter to his wife. They send a a photograph of him and his last letter up to his wife, and then they... uh, I think they shoot him. Um, maybe mm. they hang him. I, I don't know. And at this point, they're kind of just winning. Like, it's 1870. All the county's best law enforcement are fucking dead. The police spy is dead. And all of the Lowrys who have been captured have escaped. So they call in federal troops at this point. The whole fucking army comes in. <laughs> federal <laughs> troops. And so militias also start combing the swamps for the outlaws. And then again, because this is the most cartoon thing I've ever fucking relayed the story of, uh, when the militia is out hunting for them in the swamps, some of the Lowrys put on militia uniforms and joined the hunt for themselves. Now, now it's Bugs. Now it's Looney Tunes. <laughs> yeah. Now it's Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Like, yes. And what they, what they found in the swamps instead was potatoes. <laughs> the finest potatoes that money can buy. <laughs> Much like the potatoes that we advertise on this show. <laughs> Swamp potatoes. Yeah. There's nothing like it. Um, this is a break to some ads, and now here are some ads. All right, and we're back, and we're talking about swamp fries, apparently. Um, Which are gator tots. Gator yes. tots. And so the militia is in the area looking for them as well as the federal troops, and the militia is just fucking made up of KKK, as far as I can tell. And of course it is. They, you'll be shocked to know, gave up on the whole rule of law thing, and so they just started oh. going to them. Yeah. Hmm. they go to the Lowry residence and they try to like capture and murder, murder them. And they kill at least one of them this way. Um, however, the KKK leader responsible, John Taylor, uh, also developed a case of too many bullets and dies. Okay. But then, so then the militia is like, all right, we're going after your supporters. And 
so they they murder the a, a black man who was supporting them and two of the white men responsible for killing that black man were then immediately killed by the Lowry's. Mm-hmm. And then the conservatives come to power. The Republicans, they kind of lost all their wealthy support because they didn't catch the Lowry's and then they lost all their working class support because they were going after the Lowry's in the first place. And the KKK is riding around fucking intimidating voters and being Freaking one of the worst things that's ever happened. Yeah. Um, uh, dude, they had their moment. They yeah, had yeah. Their moment of shining where it's <laughs> yeah. like, we should probably end chattel yeah. slavery. They just haven't clocked a W since. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God. So the conservatives put a, a bounty of $12,000 on the heads of each of the Lowry's. So the Lowry's then put bounties back on the county commissioner and uh, a bunch of the other folks working. They don't have yes. as much money so the because they only offer $1,000 to the county commissioner, 200 for a bunch of the people working for them. Um, but then racists from all around come to Robeson County and they're looking for the bounty money, right? Mm-hmm. One Lowry gang member named Applewhite is ambushed near his house. He's shot in the back and then in the mouth. But then the posse that shoots him is afraid that he has friends around. So they take off running and they plan to come back later for the body. When they come back, Applewhite is, he's gone. And so they, okay. they harass his wife. They arrest his brother for no good reason. A few days later, another posse finds Henry Lowry's cabin in the swamps and they creep up on it. And there's Applewhite. And he, he had crawled away, spit the bullet out of his mouth and was resting in the sun at the Lowry's house. What? Yeah. <laughs> this really is a movie. I know. Dog. I, I Why like, is it not one? Yeah. Um, well, racism mostly. Um, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> but, well, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, My man caught the bullet with his two front teeth. Okay. Yeah, spits out the bullet. Keeps going. Spits the bullet out. Hey, seriously, if you shoot at somebody and they spit the bullet out, the fight's over. Yeah. It's done. It's leave done. That, leave that man There's alone. There's no hope. Leave that person to their own devices. Oh my God! One time, I, one day, I'm going to tell the story of El Fusilado in the Mexican in the Mexican Revolution. This guy gets put in front of a firing squad and shot with like 13 bullets or whatever, and he doesn't die. So the officer comes up, puts a gun to his head, and shoots him in the head, and he doesn't die. And so then they're like, you know what? You can go. Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> We shot you in the fucking head and 12 times in the body. I don't know what to say anymore, guys. Yeah. Look, listen, look, 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 let me tell yeah. you something. We t- here's politics. I talk all the time about like, listen, if you, if you, you know, here's, here's the rule. If you're about to get jumped, you know, which hopefully this doesn't happen to anybody. And one, we're full grown adults now. So this is stupid. But if you were, it's like, you have to like, Lose your mind on the toughest of them. Whoever the mm-hmm. toughest is or the loudest is in that group, you got to lose your mind on them so that everybody else thinks twice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, makes sense. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that like, and that gives you that split second because they're like, oh, dang, he just punched. The, she just punched the baddest of all <laughs> yeah. of us. Okay. We should probably like, yo, let's think twice about this. So, and it's the same as the other way around. If somebody bought a fist up, cock their arm back and fire on you and you just take it yeah then then it's time for you then y'all y'all like that food that your jaw is steel so leave this person alone that's what i used to that's do when i was, was like when i was more of a street kid someone uh-huh. who's drunk and looking for a fight punches you and it sounds kind of counterintuitive it's not like someone punches you and you're like oh no i'm so sorry i wish you hadn't punched me but instead of someone punches you, you just stare at them yes like, then they yeah. go find someone else to fight. Now, 
if someone's trying to fuck you up, that yeah. don't work, right? But like, yeah. if someone's looking for a fight and they punch you and you just stare them down, they fucking yeah. usually fuck off. Yeah, because um, they're just like, ah, I just gave you everything I had. Yeah, and totally. And that was it. Yeah. 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 And you just, you just take it just like. Yeah. It's a hard, it, it's a hard math to figure out though, right? You're it like, really <laughs> is. It really is. Unless you're a fighter. Yeah, like if totally. you're a fighter yeah. and somebody took your best punch and just drank it. Yeah. Then you like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's it. <laughs> Let me go ahead. Because I don't know what your swing going to feel like anyway. Yeah. So yeah, a man that takes a, <laughs> a firing squad and a point blank and just looks at you like, y'all, y'all good? Like we, yeah. we, we done, done here? here? Yeah. Are we done? Yeah. All right, I'm out. Yeah, and he just lives the rest of his life. I can't remember what work he got up to. It's been a while since I read his story. But All right, so they, they show up at Henry Lowry's cabin. There's fucking bullet spitter Apple White, and they get into a gunfight. And then the gunfight goes on for a while, like from inside the cabin and outside the cabin, and then all the shooting stops. So they, they run up on the cabin, and they break in, and there's a hidden hatch in the basement of the fucking cabin that leads to a tunnel that goes 63 through the fucking swamps, and they've gotten Brilliant. the fuck out. Um, Brilliant. Which is an important thing. If you're going to be a bandit gang, you need a fucking tunnel under your house. You need a tunnel, dog. Come on, man. Um, yeah, that's a no-brainer. And you in them swamps, don't nobody know where, you, like, you can't yeah. navigate swamps. You can't map swamps. You have to just be, you have to just be from there. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I mean, I, I didn't even get into the Maroons during the, the last episode. One day I yeah. wrote a whole thing about them. But yeah, people, if you know the swamps, you can fucking do a lot of shit. Yeah. So, okay, so they get away, right? But at this point, Two of their people are in jail, one member of their gang and then uh, one of their supporters that the the brother. Right. And they're like, well, this isn't going to do. So a whole bunch of them show up armed at the jail and they just hold up the jail at gunpoint. And they're like, hey, let our friends go. And they do. <laughs> yes, because it's 15 year olds that are going yeah. to prison. Yeah. And 15 year olds with guns on the outside, too, to be real. Yes. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot. They only I forgot. Everything yeah. happens. <laughs> You've yeah. already ran for president at nine. Yeah, yeah, it's 19th century. Yeah. Yes. Lincoln was actually 14. He just looks real He's old. Four- he just <laughs> <laughs> It's a haggard 14. He's just it was just a really hard life out there, man. Yeah. But he's re- he's really only 14. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so basically the entire community is ungovernable at this point, right? They're, yes. And taxes weren't able to be collected in the area, no warrants were being served in the area. Uh black train hands were sending warnings down the line whenever troops were approaching by rail and Mm -hmm. so the conservative government by 1871 they give up trying to target the gang and they just start terrorizing the entire community and they start arresting familiar yeah and they start arresting lumby women in their homes and they basically are like well you know these people are involved too or whatever so and during all of this Again, this is a story I read from one or two historians, but again, it's cartoony as shit, but this is the story. Yeah. Uh, during all this, some soldiers stumble upon Henry and he's like rowing down the river. So they open fire on him. So he, he dives into the water. He overturns his boat as cover. And then instead of running away, he advances on them and then picks them off one by one until they all fuck off and run. Now it's, a, <laughs> now it's Rambo. Okay. Yeah. Now yeah. it's Rambo. Now he's Jean-Claude Van Damme. Now this is a Steven Seagal movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I and, believe it. Yeah, I mean, I, I know, right? Like, it's it's, it's fucking... Uh, because the tropes come incredible. from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Because tropes come from somewhere. Yeah. So you like, okay, that's incredible. Yeah. Like, and so then they send the sheriff a letter 
and they say, we make a request that our wives who were arrested a few days ago and placed in jail be released to come home to their families by Monday morning. And if not, the bloodiest times will be here that ever was before. The life of every man will be in jeopardy. That is the most <laughs> polite. Oh my, I, I love how polite these people were back then. Yeah. Like. <laughs> now prop, prop, did they release them or did they not release them? Over. Of under. course they released them. <laughs> you of fucking right they, they did. Them. Of course they did. <laughs> somebody, somebody, that, somebody that dangerous, that calm, that's another thing. Yeah. Somebody that, that's dangerous and that calm, you know, okay, you know something I don't. Because yeah. you supposed to come up in here being like, listen, listen, if I don't see my ladies by tonight, I'm murdering you. I'm going to kill your fucking parakeets, too. <laughs> Everybody dying. Everybody. Everyone's dying. I'm taking a train. I'm taking a train to Tennessee and I'm finding your grandma. I'm murdering <laughs> yeah. where your mama stay, where your grandmama stay, where your homeboy stay. Everybody dying. Yeah. That's how you post to talk. He's like, you know, this is going to be a really hard day for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying all the men are in danger if you don't give us our ladies back. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so it works. And it, of course it does. Yeah. But they, they can't actually, as, as fucking hard as they are and as much as they rule, they can't actually get up, keep up their antics with federal troops everywhere, right? Like they're not doing a lot no, of robbery I mean. at this point. But they do apparently get up to some good shenanigans. And again, okay, this is reported by the, the William, Williamton Star at the time, a newspaper at the time. Uh, okay. An officer received a note from Lowry that said, and I'm paraphrasing here, um, hey, just to make sure y'all were doing okay, I, I took it upon myself to come into your, your camp and inspect your guns. And so then they, they searched their guns and Henry Lowry has signed his name on one of the fucking guns. These dogs. <laughs> and again, I don't know what the fuck is truth or myth here, but this is what's being reported yeah. at the time. This is what's being reported in the history books. I'm just... Yeah. These people fucking rule. Um, Even if it's myth... It's so great. Yeah. This is great. This is great mythology, even if it is myth. Yeah. And wonderful. At, at least some huge chunk of it. I mean, again, I don't fucking know, you know? I'm, yeah. Um, okay. And so both both sides actually want this to end at this point. And so there's this brief truce. Uh, and then some of the like wiser heads in the government are like, hey, why don't we just give them all pardons? And then this could all fucking go away. Yeah. But the law and order crowd is like, hell no. And so the truce disappears. Wow. So the Lowry's rob a thousand dollars from a merchant in town. And then they steal the iron safe out of the sheriff's office with $22,000 inside. Another cartoon moment. All right. And then Hen Henry Lowry just fucking disappears. Gone. Yeah. In the wind. Bounty hunters comb the area for the next two years. They kill at least three of the gang during all of this. One of them, this, uh, one of the Scots Irish members, uh, Zachariah McLaughlin, he he got to drinking with some other white guy, and he told him like, "Hey, you should join this gang." And then the white guy waited for Zach to fall asleep, shot him in the head with his own pistol, and wow. turned his body in for the bounty. Um, and then that dude got the fuck out of Robinson County. Yes, I was gonna say like, you gonna turn you gonna turn in somebody that's like a gangster like that dude. Yeah. For the money, you better disappear. You better get to Canada real soon. Yeah. Because get your money, get up out of there, which I kind of feel like that's what Lowry did. 22,000? Yeah. Oh, man, he in France, homie. He's, yeah, he's fucking, <laughs> he's gone. And then to 
to quote uh, the historians I was quoting earlier, Neil Shirley and Sarah Lee Stafford, they have a book called Dixie mm-hmm. Be Damned about rebellions in the South. Um, and they sum up the theories with this quote, or this is a quote of them summing up the theories. A variety yeah. of folk tales, legends, and hypotheses exist, some supported by more evidence than others, but all inconclusive. That Lowry escaped the county undercover as an injured soldier with the help of a sympathetic general, that he faked his own death and funeral with a straw-stuffed corpse, later escaping from the, from the country in a stolen military uniform, that he escaped by train in his own coffin, that he survived his endeavors and emerged under a different name as a leader of native resistance in the Pacific Northwest a few years later, that he died on his brother's Tom's land by accidental discharge of his rifle, uh, secretly buried by his comrades to continue the legend and rebellion and symbolic status. Local newspapers tended to prefer the accidental death story, but their papers also had a political interest in undermining the legend of the man. What's more, neither the body nor the gravesite of Henry Barry Lowry has ever been found. I <laughs> love this. So yeah, where, where, you think he's in France? <laughs> Nah, I think, yeah, the, the headed to the Northwest, I mm-hmm. could see that and being like, look, I, I, we was able to do this down here. Yeah. I bet you we could pull this off if they think I'm gone. And then again, I'm just like, if you got that much money. Yeah. Yeah, you out. Yeah. Like, I'm out. Why, why? I did, my work here is done. I'm out. Yeah, totally. And you ain't, fa- you, and you ain't fighting federal soldiers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And y'all gangsters. So it's like, you know, you <laughs> look, we, we done done. Y'all, look, y'all get y'all, y'all got y'all thousand dollars. Y'all need to get the fuck out the city too. Like, you don't need me to tell you. You y'all get y'all go for I got mine, you go get yours. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> totally. Yeah. So there's there's one more story in all this. Um, it happens uh, it, in Robeson County uh, with the Lumbee and fighting against racists and shit. That's worth I mean, there's okay. there's a million more stories we're telling, but this is the the other one that looms large in a lot of this history. And this is the Battle of Hayes Pond. It's like a hundred fucking years later, it's 1958, and the Lumbee were targeted by the KKK. On January 13th, the Klan burned two crosses, one in the yard of a Lumbee family who'd moved into a white neighborhood, and one on the yard of a white woman who was believed to be sleeping with a Lumbee man. Oh my God. A South Carolina Grand Dragon or Wizard or Ent or whatever D&D shit they name themselves. Yeah, just... Yeah. Anyway, yeah. His name is fucking James Catfish Cole. And oh my god, yeah, oh my god, these guys, dude. I know, like, you name yourself a wizard and a catfish, and we're supposed to take you serious. I'm just, I'm supposed to take you serious, yeah. yeah. Um, and so he decides he's gonna throw a big old clan rally to end all the race mixing. And he, he tries to rent a field near town, but everyone's like, fuck you. So eventually, he mm. finds a place to have their rally further out of town, like 10 miles out of town. And apparently, the sheriff was like, hey, hey, bud, you, you really might not want to do this. People, people might not like it if you do this. Yeah. Uh, but the, the brave grand elf or hobbit or whatever decides to do it anyway. <laughs> and so, you know, I have to hate someone if I'm going to drag D&D. That's how much I yeah. fucking hate them is that I'm willing to yeah. pick on nerds, even though I fucking yeah. play D&D. Okay. Of course. So they have their rally and old grand catfish Cole. He wants, he thinks 5,000 of his dudes are going to show up. 50, 50 do. I was like, you ain't getting no 5,000. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but 500 Lumbees show up. And everyone on all sides is armed. And so there's this tense yeah. standoff. It's mostly the Lumbee making fun of the dumb fucking Klansmen. Of course. Uh, and then there's like the shortest scuffle. One Lumbee man pulls down the KKK bander and the clan mm. only had like one light bulb to light up their makeshift stage attached to a generator or whatever. <laughs> so someone fucking shoots it out. Uh, and then a bunch of other people start shooting 
And I think the Lumbee might have been being nice here and shot into the air because no one's injured in all this. And they're surrounded by yeah. 500 armed fucking people. Yeah, they're, yeah, they were like, look, dude, chill a little lame ass out of here. So, so what happens <laughs> next? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Lumbee historian Melinda Maynard Lowry puts it like this. Cole took off running into the swamps. His panicked followers dropped their guns, jumped in their cars, and drove in all directions. Some strayed into the ditches surrounding the field. Cole abandoned his own wife, Carolyn, at the scene. She either escaped on foot with her three children, or as some Lumbees like to tell the story, drove her car into a ditch and had to have Lumbee men pull her out. Miraculously, no one was seriously injured, even though uh, Sanford Locklear's threat to kill Cole was real. One of the people was like, I'm going to fucking kill Cole. Wow. I'm still puzzled that no one got killed, said one of the women who confronted the clan. And Catfish Cole, he goes and he hides in the swamps. He doesn't come out of his hiding place for two fucking days after this shit. Um, oh my God. And he's, he's arrested for inciting a riot, extradited from South Carolina, and he's given like 18 months. And one of the, <laughs> one of the jury was like, they were like, why did you convict? And he was like, a lot of very angry people with guns were very, very interested in this man being convicted. <laughs> Um, I love this. And, oh, man, I love it. And you know that Catfish on his like sentencing or whatever, he makes this grand statement about how the court is proving him right that the country is falling yeah. into like communism and dictatorship. Uh, of course, um, of course. Doesn't sound familiar to now at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's ever done that. The the guy who grabs the banner, he has his photo taken. Two, two guys have their photo taken wrapped in the banner and become a celebrity. And he gets thousands of mm. letters of support from eight different countries. And this, this ends KKK activity in Robeson County. So dope. So, so that's the story of the, the Lowry gang, or sometimes it's called the Lowry Wars. Uh, they live on in legend in North Carolina. And I thought it fitting to end with them because I think it's, I think it's important to like really drive home that the rebellion against the Confederacy wasn't necessarily a pro-union thing. It was a pro-freedom thing. Yeah. And yeah. kept going. That's dope. I... What am I trying to say here? There's something that I've always like, I haven't been able to put words on until recently that's so unique about the type of like, I'm going back to this clan guy. Mm -hmm. Then, and this, this last thing in 1958, like this, I just don't understand. Like there's so many ways in the black community to say, that's none of my business. <laughs> just, my own business. Like, you know, we just be like, look, that's your business. Like, listen, listen, my name Bennett. I ain't in it. I mean, mm -hmm, mm. we just have a million ways just to be like, that's none of my business. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I just don't listen. If I see two Korean people talking on a train, they talking to each other yeah. in their own language. That's none of my business. Yeah. You talking. So this man is so mad about something. Who, who this lady's who, who, who this lady smashing four doors down what the hell she got to do with you? Yeah. That's, it's none of your business. This family moves into this house. What? It's none of your business. I just don't like, like, why do you make shit that's not your business? Your, it's a specific type of white supremacy to me that makes everything their business. Yeah. And I'm just like, you, yeah, I'm like, look, let me, let me, okay, clan. Let me give you some pointers. You can do your racism but why you look so stupid to us is because you worried about shit that ain't your business yeah 
What the fuck you yeah. care? What the fuck do you care? <laughs> like, why do you care about that? You know, and, and, and I'm like, and that evolves into the Karen phenomenon. You just feel like shit is your business. And I'm just like, that's mind your own fucking business. Like how many things would just be, if you just mind your own fucking, just mind your, that's not your business. And it's like, to me, one of, listen, one of the easiest things to discern to me, mm-hmm. the easiest thing in the world for me to understand is what's my business and what's not my business. Yeah. yeah. Margaret, you are a part of the trans community. Yep. You know why I have no thoughts about that? Because it's none of my business. Yep. You, if that's what you want to do, yeah. it ain't my business. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I'm just like, it was so easy. It is so easy for me. Yeah. To, you know, I just don't understand why people don't understand what is not their business. Yeah. Like I just, I don't and know. why so many of them are politicians? Th- that's what I'm trying to say. Like, listen. Yeah. yeah. And why, totally. did, why, do those, yeah, why do those people grow up? And I'm because like, they think everything's just, their business, so they should be the one they take everything they do. Yeah, totally. Yeah, the number of people who think it's my their business, whether or not I'm wearing a dress in public or whatever, it's fucking wild. I'm like, it's wild. Listen, does this Margaret. impact the fact that I'm trying to buy French fries at my favorite French fry emporium? No, no, Mark. If you're in front of me, yeah. in a dress, you know what I'm thinking about. What size fries I want? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, because you stop. Just like I'm not. Con- it's not Every, my business. That's yeah. a total stranger. Yeah. Everything <laughs> comes back to potatoes. It does. It all comes back. I just want to know what size fries I'm going to get. That's all I'm worried about. And, and I'm looking to see if, if they just fried them back there. I hope <laughs> they, hopefully they fresh. You know what I'm that saying? probably impacts what size you want too, you know? It, exactly. If I look out there and I'm like, they ain't dipped those in in a while, I go to small. But yeah. if I'm like, he just made them, hey, let me get a, let me get a bucket. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh my god! I want French fries so badly right now. So bad. As soon as we get off. Yeah, this. that's what I'm eating. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, this was great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, this the new show on the on the on the media zone, huh? The cool zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a new CZM joint. Welcome, welcome, uh, welcome to the welcome to the family. Thank you. Yeah. You wanna you wanna plug that cool zone media show that you, that you host prop? Yo, I'm on a cool zone too, man. It's called Hood Politics. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we um Hood Politics will prop. Like I am of the belief that um you understand more than you think you understand. You just need somebody to point at it. You know, um and especially if you were, as Margaret said, at some point a street kid. You know, then. You understand more than you think you do. And that's really what the hood politics is about. And um, I enjoy doing it. It's a good fucking show and people should listen to it. Thank you. Although I kind of Thank assume you. most people are listening to this have already heard it. But just in case you haven't. You never know. You got your own fans. You know what I'm saying? Well, they should be listening to your show. That, that's, I, I mean, that's what I'm insinuating. Yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> And, and we'll be back on Monday, right, Margaret? Woo! Back on Monday. More stuff. What, what? Cool stuff. In the cool zone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> cool People Who Did Cool Stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.